go. I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, coming at you all the way live. Slava Ukraina. I got a new shirt today. Oh, and it is a great pleasure to be here today with uh, Dr. Ben Braddock, the good doctor, and uh, CounterPoints uh, joining BTR for the first time. Both people, we are going to be talking about NATO today and uh, U.S. hegemony, which is kind of seen as being the same thing as far as how much presence the United States has within NATO. And before that, I just want some quick bios. So uh, let's start with uh, the good doctor, Dr. Ben Braddock. I take it you are a big fan of the Dustin Hoffman movie, The Graduate, if I am uh, not mistaken. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, whether you are a fan of The Graduate and also new people who are watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, uh, all that good stuff. Anyway, Ben, take it away. Yeah, big fan of The Graduate, though uh, lately people have been wondering if that's a grooming reference to Mrs. Robinson. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Miss Robinson did nothing wrong. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> controversial take already, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I run a uh, cartel that imports COVID drugs into the United States. Uh, you know, this is why I can't show my face. Um, even though I'm in Colombia, you know, there's still DEA agents all over the place down here. Um. Just happy to be on the stream. Excellent. It is a great pleasure to have you here on the stream. And uh, CounterPoints, tell us a little bit of something about yourself. You are one of the few based liberals that I happen to have uh, found as of recent, and I am looking for more. So if the based liberals are out there, let me know. So uh, yeah, counter there's, there's a shocking three of us, okay? <laughs> so, like... <laughs> like... <laughs> so... so yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I identify as centrist or center right compared to Twitch politics. I'm basically, uh, you know, a, a neo-Nazi monarchist far right, uh, you know, dickhead. But uh, Twitch politics is pretty far left. So compared to most right wingers, I'm pretty much a, a commie. But uh, for my bio, I'm a science fiction, political and philosophy nerd. I'm a Marine Corps and law enforcement veteran. I did four years in the Marine Corps as a person other than grunt. Uh, I'm a student of history. I do love history. I do love geopolitics. I'm a big fan of a lot of people are trying to uh, advocate for certain thinkers. One of mine is Robert Kaplan. He's a geographic determinist and an author at the Naval War College. Um, so he's a good duder, and that that's kind of part of the perspective that I'll be bringing tonight. And then uh, also, uh, when it comes to law enforcement, that's kind of where I saw a majority of my violence. Uh, so I like to think in terms of war, counterinsurg counterinsurgency, policing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be bringing some of that to the table. So looking forward to it. Excellent. I always thought that was an insult, though, Pogue. Like that, isn't that an insult? It, it is, but you're also supposed to accept what you are. So person mm. other than grunt, non-infantry person. <laughs> if I was trying to represent myself as more hardcore than I am, that's more embarrassing than just being what yeah. you are. I had so, a good uh, friend who was in Marines. Uh, he was mm. my infantry, so, uh, he got kicked out. <laughs> what I would like to well, <laughs> uh, what I would like to do for this discussion is I would like to start it a little bit more formal and then kind of have a more of a back and forth. So for the formal one, I'd say if you guys agree, five minutes time should be good for kind of like an overall intro of 
how you see the role of the United States hegemony playing specifically because, you know, right now there is a war going on with Russia and Ukraine, specifically playing with this conflict. And I think that would be a good summarization of your general feeling towards uh, uh, the U.S. hegemony and NATO as well. So let's start with uh, the good doctor. And if five minutes, is it okay with both of you? Five minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Ben? All right. All right. Um, yeah. So the way I view uh, U.S. hegemony in the world is that it's uh, it can be a good thing uh, when the U.S. is under proper leadership. Problem is, is we have mostly bad leaders and the good ones have gotten rarer and rarer. And uh, when we have a bad one, uh, it is a very destructive thing, not just for uh you know, the poor countries who wind up in the middle of our messes, but also, uh, I think, for the uh, stability in the long term of the American empire. Uh, we start to, you know, overreach and uh, put the whole project on a very uneven footing. And, uh, you know, this uh, this most recent one is, uh, is really... <laughs> you know, opening Pandora's box, so to speak, because we have uh, massive disruption already in the energy markets. Uh, and it's now leading us to the precipice of a global food crisis that could result in famines uh, and the political unrest that comes with them uh, across Africa, across South America, across uh, really the entire global South. And, you know, what comes out of that political chaos, uh, something that could be very ugly. Um, I think we've seen that, you know, under poor leadership and the, you know, coming in with our pro-democracy projects into places like Iraq, uh, you know, we never intended to create ISIS, I don't think. But, uh, you know, organizations like this spring up out of the chaos that we unleash and, you know, that threatens the, uh, the stability of the international order. And I think when we keep pursuing this mad dog strategy, uh, it's a strong incentive for other countries to start to form a uh, counter to our power. And, you know, when that happens, uh, if it happens, the, uh, you know, with the fall of empire, you lose all of the benefits of empire. Right, trade no longer being denominated in dollars, which gives us a massive advantage uh, in our domestic politics because we can spend a lot more than we actually create because we can uh, shutter off our excess credit into you know countries around the world. Same for our inflation, all of this sort of thing, and you know, uh, in addition to the uh, you know chaos that's been unleashed, also these sanctions have. Uh, you know, had the effect of, of making a lot of countries around the world take a hard look at moving off of the dollar. Now, if the world goes off of the dollar, then suddenly we're screwed because our entire economy is built on the preeminence of the dollar and us having the military capacity to back up that preeminence. And so if we lose either one of those things, then, you know, the American economy just crumbles like a house of cards. And over the long term, we end up having to build a real economy. Uh, but if that happened, I don't know that we would get around to rebuilding it because I think it would be 
I think America would become such a chaotic place that we just wouldn't have the human capital or the civilizational capacity to uh, to make that happen. You know, the, there's the meme about the you know hard times creating strong men and strong men creating good times. But uh, I've spent a lot of time in Latin America, and it's just hard times for decades. Uh, you don't get that cycle, right? It's it's actually pretty rare that you get to these civilizational peaks that we found ourselves on. That uh, Europe has been on at times, uh, you know, Rome, Greece, all of that. But uh, that's generally not the rule. Generally, when a country goes down the tubes, it just stays down the tubes. And uh, you know, with our mass immigration policies. Uh, you know, all this sort of thing. We just, we have, the, am, am I getting the Academy Award music? Okay, I'll stop. No, 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 I'm just showing you that you have like 30 something seconds. That's not a matter of you stopping. I'm just uh, framing it, so. <laughs> okay, well, the, the yeah. stream of consciousness. Let's ruin 15 of Ah, oh, damn it, okay. So next time I show this, know that that does not mean that it's time. It means that there is this amount of time so you could like adjust if you need to. But anyway, I think uh, that was uh, well said. And uh, counterpoints, I would love your counterpoints to that yeah, if you will so, yeah so i i share this anxiety of an empire in decline but if anything i think the war in ukraine has revitalized the institutions that were in a spiritual state of free fall i think that uh prior to russia invading ukraine most people including like donald trump and a lot of conservatives a lot of right-wingers were like why why the fuck are we in nato you know like, like do do we need to defend against russian aggression this seems like some 20th century crap and and basically with the invasion of ukraine they basically justified the entire institution now we're seeing the revitalization of the institution of nato with uh, countries like sweden and finland thinking about joining and ukraine seeing if it can break far enough away from russia in order to either join or at least have a shift of political center of gravity towards the western world i do understand the fear of broken supply chains i do understand the fear of uh COVID. i do understand the fear of war and the the british or like the food issues that we've been dealing with uh but at the same time i would say these are compounding factors on things that already existed things that we were already dealing with as problems prior to the war and it's just it exacerbated these things one of the things that you were talking about was the fact that like uh in a power vacuum or because of american action uh these rival powers are going to seek to uh, create a counter hegemony the truth is they always were uh, whether you're talking about like China, Russia, you know, uh, countries in Latin America, a a anybody who hates mixed economy, capitalism, democracy, republicanism, all these things that we hold as valuable in the West, uh, the there, there were always people who always hated these ideas, disliked them and disliked their proponents. So the question is, like, are we cracking? Are we breaking? And the. I'm not so worried about the logistics. I'm not so worried about the money. I'm not so worried about the military manpower. What I'm worried about is a crisis in confidence, a spiritual crisis where we don't know how to define ourselves, a spiritual crisis where we don't know if our way of being is truly better than the alternative. And as a result of that crisis in confidence, uh, basically perhaps just allowing the empire to collapse. And I think that's part of the problem is there are militant supporters of the mixed economy, capitalist, liberal, democratic project. But increasingly, they don't want to defend the project anymore because it's screwing them over. Whether you're talking about finding enough money to start a family or being successful or being able to retire 
or uh, being able to pass on to your kids wealth and uh, becoming like, uh, you know, kind of like the 1950s style American dream stereotype. Uh, that dream is increasingly difficult to achieve and it feels like we're not getting a fair shake. So uh, is it better than fascism? Yeah. Is it better than authoritarian communism? Yeah. But are we still getting fucked in the ass and then told to say thank you? Uh, yeah. And uh, so that that's kind of the question is, will, will this generation, millennials and Zoomers and Alpha, will we be able to step up to the plate? Because the truth is, I'm in my 30s now. I like to think of myself as a young man, but the truth is that my parents are on their way out physically. They might pass in the next decade or so when they're starting to have increasing health complications. Generation X is a small generation. They are not going to leave. So then it's going to be a shitload of confused millennials such as myself being handed the reins of power of a $65 trillion global empire. And they're going to say, what do you do? Do you fix the environment? Do you uh, continue the American imperial project? Do you continue the 65 trillion globalist empire? Or do we fracture off into isolationist nations? Um, and then I'll make this point because it seems like we, we're actually closer than I thought we were going to be. <clears throat> the main question is th there's a term in uh, right wing reactionary spaces called globo homo. OK, <laughs> it's <Yes>. uh, globalist. <laughs> meaning that it's a international project that doesn't prioritize nations over the global community and then homosexual meaning that uh basically it promotes uh you know lgbtq rights and privileges and all that kind of stuff to, and to be normalized in society yeah yeah so so the question the question that you kind of have to ask yourself is is this a good thing if the answer is yes then we continue the imperial project if the answer is no then we should all split off into our different national communities and let the empire die. And, and that's kind of the, the choice that we are presented with generationally. And I'll leave it there. All right. Oh, I, a, I, was, was, I was expecting a Morgan Paul mm. liberal, but that was, well, we're actually closer than we think. Yeah, uh, CGO, we are closer than we think. But, uh, but I do want to uh, lead this a little bit more into the direction of what's currently going on and later on, go back to this uh, more uh, American uh, future-focused question, which I think is incredibly important. But uh, going back to the current situation right now with Ukraine, what I'm uh, what I'm confused oh. about... Yeah, don't worry about it. What I'm confused... Everybody That's the subscribe. Nukes going off. Yes, that is the nukes going off. What I'm confused about is what are the responsibilities of countries like the United States and of the West in general for when these uh, conflicts arise, like Russia invading Ukraine. So there were a couple of tweets that I recall the good doctor uh, making in relation to this, which I can put up over here. So one of these uh, talks about um, Finland and talks about how fin uh, Sweden should also understand they would have much to lose tying themselves to the NATO corpse. I think it would be better for a Nordic alliance to be formed. Norway, Sweden, Finland, Germany, Baltic states, Poland, and of course Prussia will have to be reconstituted and form the core. And uh, another one before that, you can end the war now. This one is probably even more pressing. You can end the war now by simply committing to neutrality. Pursue a Finnish model. Outside of NATO, a non-antagonistic, impervious to occupation. And the last point here, which I have the most problem with, uh, probably easier to also divide the country along ethnic lines. 
just because the kind of ethnic conflict that uh, Ben was talking about does not and has not existed in Ukraine other than in these regions, which is for a different reason. But anyway, I want to put that aside right now and just focus on whether ending the war is possible with this commitment to neutrality. Is this a model that America and NATO, by extension, should pursue? They're not pursuing it now, but if they were to pursue, what would happen? So, Ben, since you originally uh, made these posts, uh, uh, I would love for you to expand on this. Well, I think at this point, uh, events have overtaken uh, what was possible then. Uh, I think we've, we've crossed the Dnieper River, so to speak. And uh, this is just going to continue to be a brutal, bloody war um, until, you know, one side is, you know, done the math and figured out up that uh, they've lost way too many sons and they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to take a knee. But, um, you know, we've we've seen, I think. On both sides, the. Uh, you know, there's this tit for tat escalation of brutality. And, uh, you know, earlier in the war, uh, you know, I really did think that there would, you know, be a viable ceasefire and, uh, you know, a longer term solution. Uh, you know, in the early days of the war, if, if I think it would have been enough for uh, Zelensky to have just adhered to the Minsk protocols, uh, which would not have put... Uh, the two breakaway, the two breakaway regions in the Donbass, it wouldn't have put them into Russia, but it would have put them into a autonomous state uh, within Ukraine, right? Uh, and would have ended the, uh, you know, bombardment that these people have been under for eight years, yeah, uh, you, know, you know, and all the horrific atrocities that have gone along with that. But uh, we've had this escalation where. You know, you have things like uh, Russian prisoners of war being shot in the knees, uh, castrated, uh, you know, Ukrainian soldiers calling the mothers of uh, these guys and, you know, mocking them over, uh, you know, video chat, you know, like I have your son's cell phone. And now it just came out today, Washington Post uh, put out an article, the uh, American technology firm Clearview AI uh, has now automated this process to where they will just scan the photos of the dead Russian soldiers and find the mother and send the photos to them. Uh, you, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, Bucha, and we'll, we'll see what the final outcome of that is. Um, you know, after the Maidan uh, sniper incident, I'm, I'm very cautious about taking anything at face value uh, in this region but In, including uh, all the things you just mentioned yeah including all those things. all well, those are pretty much proven love it's a know. lot more there's a lot more documentation oh. the uh for butcha uh you know i've seen points on both sides now my assumption on butcha was that uh it was in response to these type of uh things that we saw that you know a Russian battalion just got fed up with this kind of thing and started carrying out their own atrocities. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. But anyway, the, the point is this stuff has gone back and forth on either side and it's escalated, I think, into a, a real blood feud. Um, you know, it's much more intense than it, than it was in the early phases of the war. And so I don't see a, a easy resolution from here on out. 
So uh, counterpoints, as far as that assessment, do you agree first off with the uh, overall uh, framing? Yeah. So my my problem or my issue is so we we have to come we have to come to kind of like an international consensus on whether or not people of different nationalities and different language groups and different ethnicities can live be expected to live next to each other without conflict. And so while I understand that it would be easy and perhaps should be uh, the, the execution and this choice to, to try to save as much bloodshed as possible to just let the breakaway areas break away and let Russia have Crimea just to end the bloodshed and then militarize the border and call it a day, the, uh, the frustration is whether or not this was necessary in the first place. I think that we can we can cast blame on both sides for, uh, oh, well, you know, NATO was expanding its sphere of influence beyond what was reasonable, and here's all these physical encroachments along Russia's border, and it's only right that Russia wanted to maintain access to one of its, uh, one of two deep water ports that it has. The United States can literally operate globally with impunity, and by, uh, by trying to attract Ukraine with our little flute song of capitalism and globo homo uh we tried to get them into the fold and potentially rob russia of one of its deep sea water ports which even even if they were able to maintain access is it not still a political affront to have your next door neighbor neighbor more in the gravitational well of a rival power than it is when they're on your your doorstep Th this can all be said from a descriptive capacity my thing, though, is I feel like Russian geopolitical interest and care could have been achieved with diplomatic resolution. If you wanted to keep your, your deep water port, you could have negotiated that shit. You wanted to basically make sure that the Russian majority areas weren't getting ethnically purged. You could have negotiated that shit. So uh, to escalate it into a full scale invasion, I feel is that we can blame whoever the fuck we want to blame. But also, I don't get uh, is this a largely right wing audience? The way that I would describe the way that I would describe it is there yes. is a mix of okay. Hold on, Geo. Hold on, Geo. There mm. has been for a long time a lot of people who were more uh, right, reactionary minded, along with some people who are not. Who I am trying to build up a lot more of. That being said, the goal of BTR has been for a long time to bring in different audiences together. But I find I don't know the kind of environment you're in. I take it you speak. I, I a just want to use autism people. as an insult. <laughs> I think it's so, fine. I think autism it's fine. is an endearing term in these parts. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, the... For, for, from your audience, I take it you're more of a left audience type of person in your general I... tw Twitch okay, sphere. So, but yeah, you, so... you've had like you've had like cultured uh, cultured thug on and other like far. Yeah, right I, I talk to I talk to far right people and I'm I'm obviously I'm actually pretty to the right of my audience. But the thing is, um, a lot of leftists fucking hate leftists and they hate like, uh, you know, political correctness and this, that, the other. And they, and they hate they, they want to advocate for their policy positions, but they also don't want to be choked out by their own policy positions. So I try to not use autism as an insult. I try to not use, uh, you know, the F slur or the N word or anything like that for the sensitivities of my audience, not necessarily mm. because yeah. of my individual opinion. But anyways, the, the point is I try not to get so autistic about individual incidents who committed this, you know, mass murder, who committed this artillery strike, who killed this person, who chopped off this person's ear, who texted this fucked up thing to some dead guy's mom. Because the truth is that if we fought, this is a war. People are killing mm -hmm. the shit out of each other. 
So if we start trying to like, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes, every single incident, we're probably going to get 30% of the information that we actually need to make a determination. And then as we're making determinations about these scenarios, I could say, what about the Russians? You could say, what about the Ukrainians? And we just go back and forth on who's being more of a fucking monster. And the truth is that war makes everybody a fucking hmm. monster. So that the, that's where for me that, I, that doesn't wait wait uh, there is so something much. I wanted to uh, get uh, before we continue something that I think mm -hmm. is very crucial I have a question for everybody here has there been any sign of ethnic cleansing basically of the destruction of uh, Russian speakers native uh, Russian people in Kiev in all of the other areas of Ukraine has there been any reports at all of ever being any ethnic cleansing at all of yes. Russians there where cultural well in donbass and Ludansk, I mean, i'm not talking about Italian. those areas i'm oh, specifically well, not, talking yeah, about yeah, okay see geo this is my point pretty much even keel no but but geo no, no first of all here's the important point that i want to get at here this whole thing about ethnic cleansing and everybody's fe uh, feel free to disagree with me here it is a giant fucking canard what is going on here? How, if you love, look, love, I will explain. On. Hold We've on, been no, down this and I want people, so many times. Now. I want to go on, but let me just finish this because this is very important. Uh, like I said before, I have relatives who are living in these regions, and I know you say that's anecdotal, but again, I'm asking you just very, focus very specifically here. Kiev and all these other regions of Ukraine that are not Donbas, that are not Lugansk, that have a very big amount of Russian people there. Are those Russian people being ethnically cleansed? Have they ever been ethnically cleansed in these areas? If the answer is no, then what the hell are we talking about here with this systematic ethnic cleansing? Can I can I answer on Ben's behalf to show that I have a little bit of good faith in reference to this criticism? Go for it. Um, so, so basically, like, for, for me, no, the, the answer, as far as I know, is no. There hasn't been ethnic cleansing where they're literally like, oh, are you a Russian? Fucking, here's a 7.62 round of your fucking dome. I'm gonna throw you in a shallow ditch. That shit I've never heard about in the Western regions that we're talking about. But, that being said, uh, there were things that, uh, pussified leftists would call cultural, uh, genocide things. For instance... Uh, like, you know, basically banning certain Russian radio, banning certain Russian TV. Now, these were propagandist uh, channels that were promoting the uh, breakaway nations, but at the same time, banning those languages. I'm pretty sure there was a... What, when barring... did that happen, though? Because that happened during the war. That did not happen of before course. the war. Well, that's of an course, important but distinction if you were, as well. If you were... I'm, I'm trying to be empathetic. To, yes. So there's sympathetic and empathetic. Sympathetic is I feel your pain. Empathetic is I understand your rationale. Uh, if you were a Russian in the Western region or a Russian in the Eastern region, would you be seeing this as a red flag that shit's about to go sideways for you? My answer for that is yes. So, Well, I want Ben to go on. The only last thing that I'd say over here is that there was, uh, like you mentioned before, with, uh, well, not the radio station, but with language, there was mm. something done uh, within Eastern Ukraine, I think it was in Donetsk, where they wanted to change the official language to Ukrainian as opposed to Russian. But that had nothing to do with banning or suppressing any radio station, any ability for people to speak out otherwise. And my final question here for everybody, nice back massager. My final question for everybody is, why wasn't there just a, uh, what was that word? When people uh, take up a vote uh, for uh, implementing. Referendum. referendum, thank you. Why was there no referendum done within these regions of Ukraine to get out to join russia if there were all these russian uh, people who wanted to uh, go uh, the other way why not do a referendum so that's my other question i'll let ben take that 
Uh, first of all, did I use the word ethnic cleansing? You were talking about, uh, let me find it here, uh, uh, going against ethnic lines. I have to find the other tweet here where you were referencing something similar. I don't want to mischaracterize uh, what you said. So let me take a look and I will uh, and I will let you know what I find. But there was definitely ethnic tension that was uh, hinted at at some of the previous no, tweets that you did. No, there was. Yeah. OK, so when we're talking about the uh, the potential for partitioning, this comes from uh Actually, my friend, uh, Board Expat, uh, shout out to Board Expat, who is uh, a Ukrainian himself. And, um, you know, to his credit, uh, quite racist against the Russians. And uh, he said, look, let's just divide it at the Dnieper. You know, like we don't want those we don't want those Easterners, those filthy Russian speakers, you know, the (laughs) uncultured hillbilly swine. We don't want those in our glorious. Yeah, yeah, we don't want those in our glorious uh, Ukraine. We want people to speak uh, classical Ukrainian. Uh, You know, we want full bore, uh, you know, a nation state of actual Ukrainians. And, you know, let's jettison all of these uh, Russians in the east. So. I, I wish I wish it was that easy. And honestly, uh, I so for the Dnieper, the, the Dnieper is like the, the central river that runs through the center of the country. Yeah. Yeah. OK, I wish I like like honestly, like the first day of the war, I was like, man, concede all this Russian bullshit. Let it all go. You're not going to be able to take it back militarily anyways. Like, give it up. Uh, but I think that Kiev or Kiev, however you want to pronounce it, they could make as as passionate of an argument that we need buffer territory between us and our potential aggressors. So if they wanted to keep like a, a significant part of like the northeast of Ukraine or whatever, I think that's fine. But but also in talking to some people who live in the country, um, who I have helped fundraise for because I do support the Ukrainians, even if I'm giving Russian concessions from a logical perspective, the uh, th- their statement is that like. Zelensky cannot concede the eastern parts without contest, without losing popular support from his people. So he already has popular support for defending the country, already has popular support for basically sticking up. But if he says Donbass, Donetsk, Luhansk, uh, Crimea, yeah, just let the Russians have them so we can have some peace, he will lose popular support. That sucks because honestly, this what this is really going to do is it's going to drag out this fucking war for something that's unwinnable for both sides. What I mean by that is that those areas, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Crimea, they're going to become militarized. They're going to have a militarized border, and they're basically just going to have skirmishes there for the entire time. So instead of having productive Russian citizens in Russia doing productive shit and productive Ukrainian citizens in Ukraine doing productive shit, you're going to have a bunch of young men who are sitting in trench lines who occasionally blow somebody's brains out. And that's the way that the country is probably going to be for the next couple of decades. And that fucking sucks. It does. I'll say that even worse than uh, losing popular support, Zelensky would be executed by the uh, nationalists within the military if he tried to have any of that. Well, right sector, I believe they've alluded to the fact that if he basically gives an inch that he will uh, be um, redacted, uh, patriots in control sort of deal. Um, So he's pretty... And of course you have his handlers in the West telling him that he has to move forward. So, well, well that's another, that, that's another strange situation. thing though, that I find from, uh, from your side, Gio, that you don't give any auto- autonomy towards any person. You think it's just the United States and the, yeah, uh, the Ukrainians uh, want this shit too. 
Yeah. But uh, I actually, actually, uh, well, hold on. I actually, I actually agree. I actually agree with something you may agree. Hold on, Geo. Actually, can I? Yes, go for it. Back on Geo. Okay, push back on Geo. I haven't finished, but go ahead, please. I know I'm a the right wing ragdoll in this stream, but go ahead. No, I'll be, I'll be gentle. Um, so the, uh, so basically what I was going to say is the, the, the thing about it is I, I am impressed with Ukrainian resistance. I think we all thought that they were going to collapse within a week. I think we yeah, all thought true. that true. Russians were going to just absolutely fucking steamroll them. And they did in some places, but, um, the fact that there's still fighters in fucking Mario pool, Jesus Christ, like, it's been weeks and they're still fighting in Mario pool. Uh, the fact that they were able to use asymmetric warfare in order to destroy a naval vessel. That's fucking impressive. The fact that they've been swatting down helicopters and tanks left, right, and center. And the fact that video after video after video, uh, I swear to God, so I, I'm uh, already some happy. Some of those videos have been doctored, though. That's, I don't... Well, well, this is the video that I was going 2014, they're slapping Zs on them. They're editing them on. I mean, I don't... Well, not just that, but, well, yeah. these are the videos that I'm talking about that I think are unimpressive from a russian standpoint and impressive from a ukrainian standpoint there are like mechanized like probably half a dozen examples over the past couple of months of russian mechanized infantry literally just panicking inside a fucking kill box and getting schwacked like just fucking smacked with right. anti-armor getting smacked with javelins getting smacked with fucking tank rounds getting smacked with artillery rounds they're not doing counter ambush they're not moving they're not doing their tactics and so so basically that's where for me it's like I, I, I almost feel like Russians had all the toys of a modern military, but because they hadn't used them in a conflict against a near-peer adversary in so long, that when they actually rolled into a conflict, they didn't know what the fuck to do. Right. And that's and what I it think, felt like. No, I, I would agree with you. Um, by the way, yes, McGee, I, I have, I've given autonomy to the far right in Ukraine, but not to Zelensky. Um, I, I, I think that the precedent of the Russian military, though, is that they do fuck up incredibly in the beginning, and they will throw massive amounts of resources, especially that they're um, two things. One is the lack of the propaganda side in the West, at least from the Russians. I think they know that they're going to lose anyways, because the, the media, I mean, they, they'll just ban them, the, the mainstream media. Um, and the second is that they are starting to see what, what Dr. Ben has alluded to, the sort of propaganda efforts by the Ukrainians that will inevitably motivate the Russians. So I think that, if they're in a situation where they're like World War II, where they're willing to sort of throw massive amounts of men and resources, they do begin from the gate very horrendously, lack of planning. You know, they did this almost in every war they've ever been in. But I think that as the months roll on, I can't really see a logical way that the Ukrainians can win a, at least a pure military victory in terms of what happens mm. after a military victory whoever wins that is up for debate mm. well in terms of the geopolitical landscape let's take it a little bit further military victory i i don't see it I don't well see let's it take it a little bit further okay let's say for example let's say russia takes ukraine then the question right. is then what so before ben was talking about how the best policy would be to uh for countries to rid themselves of this uh, nato corpse and to instead adopt the finnish model again interestingly enough finland right now seems to be going into nato but let's say that is the case let's say for example according to the finnish model the countries individually strengthen themselves as much as possible to prevent russia from going to them and there wouldn't be any nato alliance uh, ben, what do you predict would happen then? Let's say once you know if Russia takes Ukraine, 
how do you think Russia would act towards all these other countries that are in its uh, periphery? Uh, yeah, I mean, after after Ukraine, I just don't think they have the uh, the blood left. You know, they couldn't go into Finland after that. You know, you'd yeah. have a, uh, a Finn behind every tree. Uh, you have a reserve force of over 800,000. Uh, they're the most highly motivated in Europe to fight. Um, you know, and that's why I think it's such a potent model is it's, uh, you know, they're not poking the bear in the eye, uh, at least, you know, the, this latest thing with uh, Finland and NATO, possibly Finland and Sweden possibly joining NATO, uh, you know, that's a big step for them. Uh, but, you know, up until this point, I, I just haven't seen really where they would need it because, uh, you know, there's no way that Russia could ever invade a country like Finland. Uh, now, Poland. They try. <laughs> they can try. They can try, but it's uh, it's not going to end well. Uh, and, you know, Ed Lutwak has been trying to get Poland to adopt uh, that sort of model, of course, staying in NATO, but at least structuring their armed forces in a more serious way because the the poles uh have up until this point just not really put anything into creating an army their assumption has been that uh you know america will come save them uh you know if they ever have to deal with russia uh and you know he reminded them that uh they had that same attitude in 1939 and you know they did successfully drag uh you know britain into the war but <laughs> Uh, it didn't end with their liberation. So, uh, you know, that's that's what I was uh, sort of getting at with that tweet is, you know, these these countries need to uh, need to be thinking of their own security and getting their own population uh, mobilized and militarized, um, you know, because it's we're so fickle when it comes to, you know, what we'll do to support our NATO partners that it's, uh, you know, it's questionable if that's a viable strategy for someone like Poland to rely on, uh, on the Americans, you know, we might, we might go in, um, but we might not. It really, a lot of it depends on who our president is. You know, if we have, if we elect a isolationist president, uh, and you know, they have to deal with, uh, some sort of incursion, uh, you know, I can very easily see a situation where, you know, a, uh, a Trump type figure would be like, you know, no, we're not going into there. Uh, so I think it's in the best interest of these countries to, uh, you know, have a more local defense strategy uh, instead of always relying on America's uh, either our will or our ability to uh, do what it would take to defend them. You know, and we, we did this with Ukraine. We, you know, flirted with them a lot and, <laughs> right up until the point where uh, they got invaded. And then we're suddenly like, well, I don't know about giving you planes. You know, here's <laughs> Germany was like, here's some helmets, you guys. Now, we, um, the, the will has changed a lot. It, it has been significant, the degree to which, uh, you know, Europe has gotten on the same page and followed the, uh, the lead of the United States on this. That's been remarkable. That's not something I would have since I have righties to finally talk to you instead of a bunch of commie fix ups, um, the my question is: I feel like we've done, and by we I mean like Western countries and all that kind of stuff. We've done everything short of actually starting World War Three yeah. in reference to Ukraine. 
So like like that that's where for me it's a little weird um, to hear like oh well we buddy fucked Ukraine. I don't think so. I, I don't think so at all. Um, like I feel like we've given them billions of dollars of equipment. We've given them uh, like techno like near peer technology that basically allows them to fight an asymmetric war that most people can't even imagine. J- uh, what is it? Uh, javelins are fucking crazy technologically. A lot of the shit that we've given them is crazy technologically. So, uh, so the reason why we're not giving them jets is because I feel like Russia would be like, oh, well, you're taking the gloves off. Fuck you. We actually will go to war with NATO because you're literally cornering us with a, not a near peer war, just a fucking conventional war. So at this point, fuck it, gloves off. So that's where for me, um, I'll wrap it up, but, but basically like, do you really feel like we buddy fucked them? We led them put down the primrose path. I mean, well, uh, go ahead, we, go ahead, we encouraged. I mean, we we encouraged the brinksmanship. Uh, we were not doing a lot to uh, to you know to get them to the negotiation table before the war began, and we committed the original sin uh, in Ukraine in 2014 when uh, Victoria Newland and her little cobble of freaks orchestrated the entire uh, coup of the government uh, that kicked off the war in the Donbass. That's been the you know the have you have you at least dealt with the contention that that conversation isn't as like clear cut as like oh the united states is literally installing this motherfucker or or do you just not concede that at all well you can listen to the uh, call she had with our ambassador where she was selecting the next government for ukraine Right. But, but, okay. So, so for instance, like th- this is, I, I've heard that phone call. I've listened to other people listen to that phone call and basically it's like, we prefer this guy or whatever. Like, is that really like, Hey, go ahead and destroy your fucking country in order to install the guy that we like, 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 is that what you heard in that conversation? Cause that's not what I heard. Well, beyond the conversation, it's the, uh, it's the overall pattern of the color revolutions. Right. We have these various NGOs that operate out of our embassies. Uh, You know, we pulled the same thing in Libya. Uh, We have these NGOs. They do, you know, they teach people, they teach people the uh, pro-democracy organizing and activism. And then, you know, you have the uh, the massive demonstrations Uh, and then you have the sniper fire that uh, kicks off the whole deal, Uh, which, you know, the investigation's going on for years and it's been very inconclusive, but there's, uh, you know, reconstructions of where the sniper fire came from that offer some pretty compelling evidence that they came from buildings that were controlled by the, the Maidan protesters. Uh, you had the, uh, Ukrainian security chief who said that the, uh, snipers were outside mercenaries who, uh, had been seen at the U S embassy in Kiev and you know all this other stuff i i don't have uh everything in front of me right at the moment but it's uh it's enough uh fits in the pattern of the way we we do these things that uh it's pretty compelling to me well so cutting cutting through that um do you so that's my question is is democracy um, is it, this is actually something that was really frustrating with like a, a classic liberal like Sargon of Akkad. Um, is democracy, liberalism, constitutionism, republicanism, are these universal 
human rights or uh, universal human principles or are these local human principles, meaning that these are like good things in the West exclusively or are these universal human goods. And that's going to kind of like uh, for for me, like whether or not there was like this specific build like, like that, that shit, I, even if you presented to me with the evidence, I still wouldn't be I wouldn't still I wouldn't be able to back my case. And I don't feel like you would be able to back your case that much harder just because of the fog of war. Like we're trusting ballistic experts that are a fucking thousand, you know, a thousand fucking miles away. I could probably just as easily find you six motherfuckers that are going to say shit that I fucking believe in. But my my question is, like, is liberalism a universal principle or is it a local principle? And is it good or is it bad? Because those will kind of mm. determine who you're going to oh, support. And by the way, counterpoint: see well, if you can uh, see if you can speak closer towards the mic i may have to adjust it a little bit but uh yeah that, that may be better no that that's fine what about what about now yeah that's too close somewhere in the middle and we're as good everybody subscribe if you're enjoying this there we go well, i think that's that's probably the oh ben you go you go well you know the the way that our uh our government has defined democracy is it's when uh it's when our side wins you know the people we like uh, you know what was being protested about at the Maidan was uh, the president, I think uh, Yanukovych, uh, not signing an agreement that would have opened Ukraine to European uh, Union imports, but there was no reciprocation. Uh, so Ukraine would not have had access to EU markets for exports. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a bad trade deal. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of interest in making sure that that trade deal went through. Uh, you know, but fundamentally, the, the protests weren't about democracy. It wasn't about the will of the people. Uh, and there hasn't been respect for that, uh, particularly when you have uh, you, you the people. Saying, of... You keep saying like a lot of things that could be contended, though. So, for instance, you're, you're saying there's not popular support for going towards the EU. There's not popular support for going towards the West over Russia. Because, I mean, it seems like they're fighting a fucking war right now for that shit. So, I mean, what is what is going towards the EU? Is it throwing your country open to the imports while the EU screws you and denies you access to their markets? You say okay, you you say that, but at the same time, like break down that sentence. You're okay. Ukraine had like correct me if I'm wrong. They do have raw materials that the Western world is interested in. They do have things that like we would be interested in trading over and opening to imports while not being able to export. You're saying that, but I'm sure I guarantee you we would take energy. If they had natural gas or oil or steel or any of that shit. We'd take it. And then on top of that, opening to imports means like buying iPhones and Mercedes and shit. So like what what why are you saying that as if it's a negative thing? Because it's non-reciprocal. Okay. So what if they would still prefer to have the ability to buy Mercedes and iPhones? Is that worth, like, fucking killing people over? Well, then, like, they, I could mean, have yes, but... then they could have an election over it. Uh, okay. He, um, the, the president agreed to early elections. Uh, and, you know, our, and that was mediated, I think, by uh, Poland and France. And, uh, you know, our position on it was, no, that's not good enough. He goes now. Well, if I may he, step in. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, buddy. No, no you go. You go then. You, well, I, 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 was, then uh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, we can we can litigate shit that's a thousand miles away that we read, like, fucking six articles on. 
or we can just ask the question is this good or is this bad so so for instance like my, my question like with you kind of pointing out that these are predatory trade deals from the eu and from america um do th th this is the way that like look at the broader trend this is how we conduct ourselves on the global stage we do have non-reciprocal relationships we do create trade deals that benefit us and it seems like the countries that we engage with do at even if they don't benefit to the same degree they do benefit from these relationships so is this a good thing or a bad thing and is it worth defending from a western hegemonic perspective or is it not that's the question well does it tend to produce good results or does it tend to produce bad results i would I argue would that the, i would argue that the result that this produced uh which has been an eight-year war uh is a pretty bad result mm. I want to step well, in I here and say, just, uh, oh, all right, Gio, you had the floor first. You're right away. Well, go you for go it. ahead first and then all right. have a longer point. All hey, right. Gio, so my, you're too fucking nice, bud. Oh, he's a sweetheart. I have to, I have to be in. <laughs> no, he's a real sweetheart. Go ahead, love. Go all right. Ahead. So just from the perspective of uh, people who are on the ground there who, uh, again, my family knows, yada, yada. These are people who don't, to put it simple, they don't want to live in the corrupt shithole. And... If you notice a trend, there aren't a lot of Ukrainian people, even before 2014, let alone after, who were dreaming about going to Russia to study or dreaming about, you know, our not just our economy, but our way of life would be so much less corrupt if Russia had more influence to it, as opposed to this, uh, this evil notion of the West. So that's kind of what I'm driving at here, that we could talk about trade deals and whether it's beneficial or not, but in general, the level of... Uh, less corruption that people experience and people have always said and they're right ukraine is a very corrupt place but again in comparison to russia in comparison to the strives that they have been making after 2014 for one thing to have uh, free and open elections for another thing to actually start cleaning up a lot of that corruption uh, I think that that's a great, uh, great sign of people who show that even if they're the same people, you know, genetically or ethnically, whatever you want to say, to, uh, you know, as the Russian people are, that they were actually able to pull off something that Russia is not able to pull off. And right now it seems like Russia just wants to drag them back into that shithole. So I don't know. That's my opinion. And it's also fact. But uh, no, I don't know. No, this totally All right, Gio, go, go for it, buddy. Well, first of all, there's half of, at least half of Ukraine that disagrees with that but, but okay they're so the main they're all united now geo but go for it yeah i'm, I'm very sure that people in in Donbass who are ethnically russian are going to side with azov and rate sector but uh there anyways. already are oh oh yeah yes yes geo, have I'm you seen sure. have you seen the they're videos going to side with azov on, geo, geo. have you seen the videos have you seen the videos oh, yeah, i want to stop being right. up on geo he's got the fez hat I mean, going on i know it's let cute. me <laughs> let me okay so there's okay. a number of points that um that that uh the counterpoints has brought up and uh first of all i would say that to defend ben's position it's the the immediate thing is the promise of material goods and this goes to the heart of all that we're talking about because bound up within the assumptions of the liberal world order is this sort of uh prevalence of techniques i don't say science or well science and materialism are sort of the handmaiden of, of technique or techniques you know according to alul and heidegger and so forth but that material promise is outweighed by the sort of problems that come and genuine corruption that comes with a lot of client states of the West, either through hook or crook, crook being 
Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya and Syria. And so, well, not Syria, because the Russians, of course, uh, defended millions of Christians in Syria when we were propping up the uh, the brutal Muslim tyrants against the justified. Uh, anyways, not, never mind. Never mind. I'm but getting you, derailed. Like, y'all got to this say level some shit and, that's not like within contention, but but I'm listening. No, I, I think that the, the question you asked is, is liberalism. I, I believe I did see a, a, at least a, a good portion of that Sargon debate you had. And this is, again, my problem with the first way uh, alt-light uh, people. And maybe Sargon could come on here one day. But uh, I think that liberalism, because it's been framed for the last, I would say, 20, if not 50 years as a universal and totalizing principle, the end of history idea that comes from Kojev and then later, you know, Fukuyama, um, we ignore the fact that the principles of liberalism, I would say, are contentious, um, contentious based upon the local, um, cultural, and ethnogenic stock of a particular form of European uh, Enlightenment thought. I think that it, it's it's controversial, but it shouldn't be because that is the problem because it claims to be the end of all political contentions and ideologies when it very much is instantiated within, I would say, the Anglo and possibly the Germanic and other, um, you know, Western to Northern European ideals. But to take that model and import it throughout the world, as we've seen the last 50 years or so, has it been effective materially? Yes, of course, because as we know, liberalism smashed its two rival enemies. One was attacked purely from without fascism, and one was attacked purely from within uh, communism. And we can get into how that happened, blah, blah, blah. But that's unimportant. What's really important is, well, it's not unimportant, but you know what I mean. Um, what's really important is the universality claim of liberalism itself. As time goes on, we're starting to see that that is contentious and open. And, and uh, I would say the flow of history and the flow of ideas that come from historical being. As we're going on, and this is what this war, I think, is about, is we're going to see that people are going to have a sense of their own history and ethnogenesis and so forth. And I think that the claim that, you know, everything is settled, everything is done, liberalism is here to stay, we just have to find ways to import it and effectively implement it. Like it's, again, another extent, a technology within itself. Um, that kind of technocratic thinking, that thinking that comes from instrumental reason, that comes from the largely Germanic Anglo perception of, you know, these Enlightenment ideals, I think that as time goes on, the contradictions cannot be hidden. And I think that's well, that's why a lot of people in the political well, right, especially, and also the political I, right, oh, yeah, are this, starting this to... This is an important question because I feel like I'll actually get a good faith answer. Oh, yeah, um, so so my question, because, because I, I've, I've heard these arguments before, um, and my most people are playing like fucking hide the ball on this shit. I feel like I'll actually get an answer here. Um, I My contention and my question would be, are these things set in stone? So, for instance, mm. um, I'm I'm a Celt. I'm I'm fucking right. Irish. Right? Like, <laughs> like I'm I'm a fucking potato eating, bog dwelling fucking barbarian who just <laughs> happened to come to a Anglo dominated culture, learn the English language, be integrated right. into a civic nationalist liberal society, mm. and now I treat it as my own. And right. I've seen, um, you know, I've served in other institutions. I've served in the military. I've served in law enforcement. A shitload of people who would be out of this, like, ethno-cultural genesis or whatever 
they also identify with the system. So if you're talking about, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans, Mexican, Hispanic, Central Americans, Black Africans, all that kind of stuff who integrate themselves into the civic nationalist framework of the military right. or law right. enforcement, they identify with these institutions in this history as well. So for me, that would kind of lend credence to the fact that these there's a certain element of truth to it that it can be universal, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. then it can also come into cultural or, or ethnocultural genesis of other regions. So for instance, right. like if you took liberalism and you fucking just shotgun blasted into China, they're probably going to take some of their previous historical cultural traditions and integrate it into the liberal framework. But right. ultimately they're still going to kind of come that way because some of these principles are appealing to individual human beings individualism is fucking cringe collectivism is fucking cringe communitarianism is fucking based but the but the point being that like um is it genetic is it set in stone and is this a path that as a species we should be going down to universalize and promote across the world right well i think that in in a sense the reason that a lot of these different cultures have you know listen i come from canada and uh, I, I come from a non-place. I come from the post-national country. Um, and as we're seeing, there's immense problems with the sort of what I call the Canada model. I've written about this. Um, I think that to answer your question, um, and, and this isn't my thought. This is people like, again, like, you know, Love's favorite philosopher from Russia and, uh, you know, Heidegger and so forth. Um Oh, Paul God. Yeah, I know, Lev. I know. You're cringy. You're cringy. Wait, R.I.P. Um, to, uh, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried. You know, great. He wrote a lot of great books about Iran. We'll be missed. Oh, I, I said Paul Gottfried, but Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, I loved his work in Duck Man. That was my favorite role of his. Anyways, um, so Paul Gottfried, he makes this dichotomy between older bourgeois enlightenment liberalism and what he would call like modern liberalism. He does mention Canada quite a bit. And he says that the older model very much was a product of the sort of. Um, ethnogenesis of the Anglo mind, the Germanic mind, it, you know, it was like bourgeois values, property rights, so forth. But to answer your question, I think that the reason it's, it's, it seems from certainly an American perspective, a North American perspective is because we are uh, such a newer people and we do have sort of the fundamental rootlessness and we have managed to escape sort of the ethnic, um, not escape, but rather we've sort of taken a step back from the original conflicts that plagued Europe and Latin America and so forth. But that being said, I think that we will find problems with the importation of it to other places, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm trying to be like all theory. all here. Oh, the subject, the subject, the individual, the individual. So, and, and again, I've my, my background university and so forth. I actually, believe it or not studied, uh, you know, I, I focused heavily on people like Michel Foucault and so forth with, uh, you know, the Frankfurt School. Uh, so I, I, I really just despise the sort of like James Lindsay Sargon, like cultural Marxism stuff. But because when you oh, actually man, tell me more, I am fascinated by that. But sorry, well, let me let me, well, let me give yeah. you a Foucaultian point. Let me give you. And a then I want to make sure we get Ben on and this then as we well. Get, yeah. yeah, we have to get Ben back. Um, the creation of the subject, because the sort of the power knowledge aspect of liberalism, the sort of regime of truth is not that like what the enlightenment claims 
which is that the individual is honored within the liberal system, unlike other systems, unlike the ancient regime, unlike monarchy, unlike fascism and communism and so forth, communitarianism. Rather, liberalism had to create the subject through this sort of selective derooting of the, the sort of individual that is no longer within the world, within this sort of cultural, religious, ethnic relations, but rather is a new being. And so liberalism is just as millenarian as communism or, well, depending on which one, fascism. I, the, the one in Germany, especially. Um, I would say Mussolini, my, my boy Benito, of course, I'm Italian. It's purely cultural, Lev. Don't worry, don't freak out. Just call, It's a cultural symbol. I mean, nothing by it, but <laughs> but I, I think that, um, well, fascism does have a sort of millenarianism as well. But liberalism had to create this picture of the subject as a atomized individual in order to instantiate a particular form of economism, of political relations, of uh, social relations that are advantageous to its claim that it is a universal uh, but, entity. But to that you, is sort it's of an like, illusion. Well, I would say it's an illusion because it's predicated upon a linear view of history. And so that's why it needed to create a subject that doesn't have a sense of history. And I think that's every sort of universal reactionary and to an extent, you know, leftoid. Well, I mean, depending on leftist claim, I think that there's some leftist groups that would uh, agree with this. But I, I think that this is why it's so contentious is that we are literally. And, and again, this is where no, I'm not like a Duganist or whatever. I mean, that's, a, a, you know, the I theory, think I, Braden, I read him. Your fucking theory, Braden. Well, no, I, I think that Dugan is right in that the sense that we are real, literally fighting over our sense of the model of what we think history is because history informs the subject and a liberal view of history that has dominated the world for the past, I would say 50 years, maybe the past hundred years is that of like this sort of Whig history, linear progress that the subject will free himself of historical circumstances of ethnic and religious and cultural circumstances and will become a community of the world and so forth. You know, like this is basic Kant, perpetual peace, blah, blah, blah. But I think that as time goes on, people will be increasingly dissatisfied with that picture of themselves and that picture of society. And I think this is the big contention that we have. Well, and then people you... in Sargon do, do not have an answer. I hate to say. All right. Sorry. Counterpoints. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. But oh, I'm God. sure you want to get back in here. But the. Uh, okay. Yes. So I, I said something that is probably appealing to a decent chunk of like you know, fascists or fucking, uh, you know, people who are more collectively minded, which is individualism is cringe. And that might be shocking to liberals for me as like, uh, or shocking to people who view themselves as liberals to hear a liberal say individualism is cringe. But the the truth is that I think there's a certain amount of truth to, uh, so, so collectivism would basically be making yourself completely subservient to the group. That might be a straw man. I don't care. Um, the uh, individualism would be, playing into the atomized individual concept, kind of like we were just talking about with liberalism. If that's a straw man, I don't care. What I what I mean by com communitarianism is balance these balancing these forces out. Don't view the world solely through the lens of the individual. Don't view the world solely through the lens of the collective. View them as like a, uh, I don't know, kind of like two things that are feeding into each other, like almost like a, you know, a snake eating its own tail or, or whatever the fuck, like a system of genesis and, and conflict, but through that conflict and that genesis, you can create newer harmonies over time. And so that that's what I think is more real, um, because if we look at liberalism, I was talking about like a spiritual crisis of meaning in the West. I think that you're right, that uh, we've basically, we don't know how to defend this shit. 
as individuals. Uh, there was like this fantastic meme with Jordan Peterson where uh, he was kind of like calling out the fascists or whatever. And it was like, hey, guys, split up. We're stronger as individuals. And then like he was saying that yeah. in like a fucking uh, Greek like phalanx wall. You know what I'm saying? And so I think there's like a truth to that where we do have to identify what binds us. And it can't just be international humanism mm. right? because that's not enough. Yeah for us to be a tribe or a collection of people. We the, have uh, to be more than that. The issue with uh, the things that uh, Geo brings up a lot of times is not with the problems that he addresses. Uh, I think you Solutions address those. Talk yeah. shit. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sorry, but as far as a lot of the views of people no, within your sphere, uh, hold on, just Gio, I, let me explain. I don't... As far as the solutions within your sphere, like, you know, uh, people like Joel Davis, for example, so on and so forth, the solutions are fascism, and the solutions are Nazism, and the solutions are having an authoritarian dictator who's going to tell you exactly how to put your pants on, which leg goes first, which leg goes second. That well, seems I, to be the only know. solution that's being brought up if we dig through all the theory all that stuff that seems to be the only thing you have going for you as far as any solution to this problem i propose liberalism yeah, painter and violence yes, i don't know exactly i i propose that is a very i would say uncharitable and, and downright sort of stereotypical picture of it i mean it I, I uh, you would love a video that I have. It's literally called Know Thy Enemy Fascism. I literally think I articulate fascist ideals in a way that's like palatable and not criminally fucking insane. But that being said, um, I also do think that the while you can have theory brain like Geo, like right. this is very theory, uh, very uh, what people talk about. Right. Um, I think the ultimate application is Lev's criticism. That even if you say that, like, you can create this harmonious and yet also conflicted society in which the the natural right. impulses of human beings war with each other in a way that's already happening anyways. We just accept our own natures. Um, I, I think what ends up happening is strongman societies where uh, ultimately we, we do have to kill the shit out of each other in order to wield political power. Um, so well, I want to give it back to uh, application. Hey, you know, the problem is that fascism arose out of very particular circumstances within the 20th century. That's what they all that, say. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing. These are like historical and I would say even spiritual processes that would take like millennium. I don't think that we're going to see the dissolution. Listen, it's not Adolf's fascism. It's cuddly fascism. It's better it's, fascism. It's, it's, it's you can hug it's this not, one. It's, oh, nice. it's got a, it's got a nice fuzzy fez on. Hold on. No, I, I don't get identify back to ben. as a fascist myself. I think that 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 term is is a uh, well, I mean, no, that's Gio. the thing. I would have to. Geo, you, you, you kind of do. You kind of, you kind of do. But anyway, I want to get back to Ben. No, and I want to get you, back to the left, subject. You, everything is fascism. That's the problem. You, you see it in your cornflakes, and and I think, that, well, Ben, we have Ben hasn't talked yes. in a while. And I think yes, that, I want, yeah. I want Ben to talk, but just to quickly get back to what you just said about the cornflakes bit. Just so you know, uh, Connor. I have always been against a lot of the leftism that sees fascism everywhere where they equate Elon Musk with being a fascist because he doesn't want censorship. So in that case, I do not see the fascism in the case that people are calling for a strong man. I do see the fascism, and that's a very clear cut. But Ben, I wanted to get back to the subject that we were talking about. 
regarding these countries that would, uh, let's say, be in the kind of position of uh, having to individually defend themselves as opposed to defending themselves through some kind of an alliance like NATO, going back to the original subject here, where I see a problem with this from thinking about that old cliche of, uh, uh, how do you say it, uh, divide and conquer. So when you have all these different countries, like let's say you have France right now where Marie Le Pen, let's say she's elected and let's say she strikes some kind of a deal with Russia. And then you have another country that Russia handles a different way and another country that Russia handles yet a different way as well. So my concern is that when there isn't any kind of consensus at all, any kind of unity as far as a group like NATO goes, then you just have all these individual countries you can pick off. But that would be my criticism. But I'm curious uh, what you think. Well, I think that uh, basically if you can't pull an Israel from 1948 to 1967 and uh, be completely cut off from most of the world yet still defend yourself militarily and pull off some very impressive uh, military feats, uh, if you can't do that, you don't really deserve to be a country and you should probably be, be dominated by a China, Russia, or the United States. I, I, I know too much about this history to agree, but Ben, I, I've talked a lot. Do you want to talk some more before I try to push back against that? Uh, I'm having a dissociative episode. I just found out that I was uh, featured fully nude on Fox News, and I'm still trying to process it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, our good friend Elena was on Tucker Carlson recently. Yay. He was on BTR first. That's right. BTR to Tucker Pilot. Everybody subscribe to BTR. All of CounterPoints' people, if you're enjoying this, I'm going to be bringing in even more base liberals. So oh, be sure to tune in. Yeah, That's right, so, Gio. Dude, there's only, there's only like four liberals with fucking spines. So I, I'll, make know, I, I hope, I'll make them. I'll make them. I'll make golems. I hope we're not a dying breed, uh, but it seems like there aren't any of us to start with. So maybe the maybe there's nowhere to go but up. I have no idea. There uh, is nowhere the, to go but up. You're, you're absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna so, I'm gonna actually make liberals out of just like people who I find who are really smart, who are in positions of power. I'm just gonna take them and drag them over to BTR and make them into podcasters. But anyway. But you. But oh, what you have to do is you have to deal with Geo's arguments as they exist. Um, and, and so 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 let me put let me push back on the Israel thing. Um, mm. So playing into uh, far far right stereotypes of the Jewish people. Um, the Jewish people are fairly unique in their uh, in their history and in their outlook and the way they conduct themselves and this, that, the other. And what I mean by that is there was a book called Israel, the Startup Nation. And then I want to say there was another one that I read. It was literally I took a business course on Israel entrepreneurship uh, specifically. In 1948 to 1970 for the state of Israel, it wasn't fucking easy. It was hard as shit. And not only was it hard as shit, they basically had to engage in like some ruthless fucking uh, things in order to survive. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, they had to fight wars in order to survive. I'm talking about like corporate espionage, stealing from their fucking host countries, taking technology that they were barred from, selling to fucking shell corporations in order to hide the fact that they were taking technology that they were not technically entitled to. And out of that, they were uh, they basically developed the rugged entrepreneurial uh, cutthroat mentality that was required in order to survive. And while I do think that's admirable in a certain way, I also don't think it was necessary. 
like a lot well, of a the, lot of it also comes from their military structure they're allowed to change they're allowed to challenge their officers uh right. in the post-mission uh you know meetups and groups uh, and because everyone serves because of the draft uh you have uh, you know the entire society is composed of veterans so they understand what skills you learned in the military can transfer over to the private sector uh, well, maybe, know, maybe I'm just racist then. Would, would you say that like uh, like Switzerland, like like uh, rugged, r- like basically the reason why nobody's invaded the Swiss is because every motherfucker knows how to shoot and they got decent technology and they got good money and they mind their fucking business. Is that kind of your and yeah. the ideal? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. All right. Well, then maybe I'm just racist, but. I just don't know if every country that's out there is going to be capable of achieving uh, Ben's status for uh, greatness. For one thing, if we're talking about nukes, that's a whole other issue entirely. I'm not sure if we can expect every single country to have a nuke, and Russia does have nukes. Do you want Ethiopia to have nukes? Do you want Sudan to have nukes? Like, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that would be good. I I support nuclear proliferation. Why? (laughs) A lot of these, a lot of these people. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to shit talk completely. Like I'm sure there's individuals who are fucking based, but a lot of these are fucked up kleptocracies. Why would you want them to have nukes? Yeah, Ben. Not everyone's an Aryan step warrior in these parts. I I I want. I want the Bantus to have nukes. First of all, Uh, (laughs) why? Yes. Well, because yes. this is what leads to global depopulation, which uh, over the long run is better for the environment. You know, for oh, growing, growing oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. So you wait. want nuclear proliferation specifically for nuclear war? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Damn. I, I, listen, I've heard of degrowth. Most people talk about using condoms and fucking Xboxes in order to get people to have less kids, not literally nuclear genocide. But no, you know, that's nuclear. immoral. Like that compared yeah, to that. Which one's better? Nukes. Giving people condoms or fucking right. burning them in no. it with a nuke? I What's think, better? I think Ben is uh, no. nothing against nukes as far as I'm concerned. Right. So maybe I'm maybe I'm being kind of an asshole here, but I think maybe Ben's pulling our leg. I think well, Ben look, is pulling our rates, You're dealing with decades of misery as your as your country slowly atrophies. I mean, I think just one blinding flash and it's all over. That is actually a lot hey, less cool. Do there. any of y'all have kids? I'd like. I to. have. Uh, I have many kids on many continents, um, but they're not. You know, we don't have close relations. Um, wasn't able to visit them during. Wait, are, you, are you Abraham? Are you like the immortal <laughs> reincarnation? Are you the immortal reincarnation this is the of the real prophet? Like, we have fuck? to save the boat, not the people in the boat. Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh. Uh, Listen, I'm I'm all about the the environmental. Uh, uh, okay, so so there, there's a real concept uh, in, in the Bible of being like stewards, right? Stewards of the planet. Mm. Um, I think that as uh, so, so again, like I, I know I'm way to the left of a lot of right wing people, but I also think I'm way to the right of a lot of left wing people. So what I would say is I would welcome a conservative environmentalist movement based off of Christian conceptions of stewardship. I think that needs to make a resurgence because if we're not going to destroy the fucking planet, then we're going to need conservatives and progressives and liberals to unite on the fact that, like, I don't know, 
maybe fucking like executing bald eagles with fucking fully automatic shotguns isn't based mm. actually i would also I mean, add, looks cool. i'm a pigeon respecter we uh, need to shoot more eagle no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> uh, i've had pigeons since i was a kid no. but um but uh no, hold, I, hold, I hold, hold, okay we, Gio, go america for it. had that for a time actually Mm. Yeah, in, and then after the seventies, we gave up on it for fucking yeah, yeah. At, like like uh, anarcho capitalism. But at least there was the attempt. Yeah, but at least there was the attempt, which I think goes to show you that countries that right now you know still have slaves, you know, or slaves by any other name, like when you take away their visas, like Saudi Arabia, for instance. I'm not looking towards these countries as rich as they are to lead the path forward as far as uh, making the environment better. I see a correlation between countries like the uh, Baltics, like Lithuania, for instance, or like Japan, you know, countries, countries that are of a certain civilized level. Those are the best bets for this kind of an environmental change, which is why I want more of those countries to exist, which is why I don't want shithole countries like Russia taking those countries over. I mean, that's just my... Oh, they're not... Uh, they're, I mean, I, again, you have a very... Degraded picture of what Russia has been turned under base Putler. I think that, uh, I, well, anyways, I wanted to ask Ben Braddock because he hasn't talked. Given the sort of, uh, what we're talking, to go back to the original thing, if the American empire, if sort of global liberalism can make a claim that through sheer, um, either from military force or subversion or technology or various other means, that they are the rightful heirs of the world, the way that the British Empire was, that handed it to the Americans. And the British got it from the, the Byzantines. Byzantines got it from Rome. From the sort of like our sphere of things, let's say like the Bappian vitalist, you know, do you think that maybe you we should say that, well, in terms of power relations, that that's a good thing and they deserve it because they're the ones that went to such incredible length to maintain their position either if it was the british or the americans or so forth what would you say to an anti-liberal or a post-liberal that is wants to challenge that order and the, if so the liberals could just say giga chad yes we can do whatever we want we are the rightful heirs of history well i think the uh the people in america who uh should actually be running the empire they need to develop the same level of will to power as the uh as the liberals um you know because look these are you know the the meme is that you know these are extremely weak people who you know will cower and cry at anything and there's some truth in that but at the same time um they're also you know prison planet psychopaths who'll castrate their own children i mean that's a uh you know the chechens can't even touch that kind of uh you know psychopathic uh warrior spirit so you know uh, but it's just like the wildest fucking sentence i've ever fucking heard it's like it like i i thought that like uh progressive fucking parents of like trans kids or whatever were a bunch of fucking hyper empathetic fucking pussies but it turns out that they're just like based giga chads who are willing to do what it takes to perpetuate 
fucking global liberal American empire. It's well, they have, they have a the certain wildest uh, fucking sentence I've ever heard. Uh, so Connor, good. you've been missing out of this fear of the internet. I have. It's so much better than what I'm used to. Can, can I tell you what I'm fucking used to real quick? Like, because this is actually a moment of like emotional catharsis. Like, I feel warmness in my chest right now. What I'm used to is getting onto a fucking panel with nine people, six of whom are fucking liberals or progressives or leftists, and then one conservative saying something that's not within the fucking, like, the, the social acceptability James of, the, Hake. of this realm. The yeah, Hake uh, well, Hake's rough even for my fucking taste. But anyways, the, the point being that they say something that is not socially acceptable, the, uh, the leftists and the progressive liberals jump down his fucking throat, and then the uh, the concert or like the the less insane liberals have to fucking try to translate between two sides that are ready to cut each other's throats. That's what my normal debate experience is. It's not theory brain about fucking fascism or my my children all are all over the planet or actually uh, the parents of trans kids are fucking they have the real world of even, power yeah like even even chechen fucking warlords can't aspire <laughs> to the fucking will to power of the parents of trans kids that's the yes. wildest fucking sentence i've heard in a um, long time on like twitch yeah. youtube politics and i've heard some wild shit. Well, why like, do you i think don't even disagree I don't even disagree with the fucking sentence. Well, I think, why do you I think, think this right. is, though? Why do you think this uh, oh. Twitch politics uh, thing has been so secluded away from all the Twitter, you know, reactionary uh, frog posting community? Because because you guys get banned off of Twitch so fast. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, that's... YouTube, you can probably survive. But even... So I, I think you can go theory brain on fascism. And I think that you can... Um, even advocate for it with like sanitized terms, like be a monarchist or a fascist and, and do it with sanitized terms. Absolutely. What, yeah. what I don't think you can do is say like, oh yeah, like actually I want to commit like ethnic violence. You know what mm. I'm saying? Well, like that. No, I don't think weird. anybody, and, I don't think anybody here is saying it. My problem though with a lot of the uh, people in the community is they don't have enough people pushing back, not at the problems that they're presenting, which I, like I said before, I think you agree with, but the solutions. And that's been the big problem for Break the Rules for a long time, that I've had a lot of people from this sphere over and well, I was the only one who was countering a lot of these solutions and just trying to point out the elef elephant in the room here that, like I said before, Gio, I know you say that, you know, you're a fascist, whatever, but the solutions that you provide are still of a dictatorial approach. And there's no getting around that. I wanna, what, what I want to tr try to figure out is how can we extract all the best shit from these very spicy people who no, are the on the internet, that these are but not have the that I have struggled with as well. These are questions. I, I don't have a clear picture. I mean, the ideal in terms of just as a uh, Catholic and as um, someone who finds value in the ancient regime, that is an ideal. But in terms of real world politics, I mean, on my Substack, I'm writing a series currently about the, the E-Right, the online right. And the various foibles and, and sort of uh, criticisms and also just uh, the way that I don't formulate it as a movement, but rather an avant-garde. I think that uh, these are questions that are ongoing. and But there is a large contingent of people that would probably, I would say, if they were given a Caesar Augustus, if they were given a picture of, I don't know, like, you know, you know this, Ben, like with Dark Maga or whatnot. I mean, Dark Maga, sorry. Um, 
a lot of people probably would take a pragmatic authoritarian strongman. And I think a lot of people see Putler that way. Although I would say that on the far right, there are a lot of people who are against um, the Eurasian project and they, they see that, you know, the Ukrainians are the real mm. based fascists. But I think that, uh, no, I think... <laughs> Wait, Gio, do you know how many... No, sorry to cut you off, Gio, but do you know how many of the far right people won a place in parliament in the last Ukrainian no. election? It was less than 1%. All but right, they two. do have go. an undue influence over the military left. They have no, they don't. Where are you getting this? Yes, they do. That that no. is a well known fact that Says they who? have. Okay. Well, okay. they have the. Well, go did on. you yeah, guys see that? Did you guys see that video of the uh, the Ukrainian who was captured and he was like, "No, I'm not a Nazi." And then they ask what his uh, phone password was. Uh, and it was just like, like uh, one four eight eight. <laughs> it was Banderas fourteen eighty. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead, okay. So no, so what what I was gonna say is um I think okay, there's um there's okay, so so there there's actually an interesting part of I did I did watch Keith Woods uh back when he actually posted uh a, just a straight up philosophical video on fascism that I thought was beautiful. It was like mm. academic, rawly descriptive, not prescriptive at all, just Here's the history. Here's the thoughts. Very theory brained. Very interesting. And so the the thing that I took away from it, which I, I think I boiled it down, was that fascism is two concepts, one of which I think is perfectly normal and one of which I think we fought against for a really long time. The concept that's perfectly normal is political corporatism, uh, treating a body politic like a body and then trying to advocate for the health of the body as best as possible. And so taking all like whether you divide you divide that up on like a, a civic civic nationalist group or an ethno nationalist or religious nationalist group, basically thinking of a tribal group as a single body and advocating for its well-being. I right. think that's fine. I think it's human. I think it's natural. I think we're tribal creatures. I think that's uh, as a matter of fact, I think there's a lot of power in that thought process because you can incorporate a whole bunch of people into your tribe. And then say, hey, what I am trying to do is advocating in your best interest. And so if you allow me to, you know, kind of talk to you, I can I can advocate for you, basically. Right. I think that's perfectly fine. And I think that's in line with all of politics. The things that I don't like about fascism is the requirement of the uh, like, like the, the strong men where it's like, well, if this person is in power, it's because he was powerful enough to take power. And until we have another person who's powerful enough to take power, we're just going to be in this confluence of conflict and harmony until the new regime arises. Kind of like an appeal to like natural strength, basically. And I think and, that's why. Oh, go on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I think this, while it sounds pretty and natural in its abstract, I think its reality is actually just the, the kind of civil wars that destroyed Rome, where yeah, one person yeah. claims to be the strong person, another person claims to be the strong person, and they find out by getting a bunch of people uh, to fight on their behalf, and they're not necessarily the ones in the ring literally physically fighting. They're, uh, they're getting their minions to do so, because their minions crave power as well. Um, yes. So, yes. So, so that's the problem, is it's a, a cannibalistic philosophy mm that wastes a lot of human potential and well-being whereas i think republicanism in its standardization of like political structure and how people fight for power 
I think eliminates a lot of that waste and adds a certain level of predictability to society. Well, I think, I think that it's, yeah. I want to get Ben on this because Ben is uh, just as familiar as I am with the sort of the, the, the bronze age pervert perspective. But I think that, is that's, that a creator or like just a cool? You've never word heard that of that. <laughs> never heard of Bronze Age Pervert. This oh is the dimensional God. merge. This oh. is the dimensional merge. Even people. people that even like people that go to like West Point have uh, heard of that. <laughs> scarily enough, um, but no, I I'm, think just, that, I'm just picturing the Golden One while you're saying that. Like I'm not pretty oh, close. I think, I think he's friends with the Golden. But no, I don't sense. claim to be like. Listen, I don't claim to be a based fashy Aryan stepwear. I mean, I'm literally just some fat italian guy and in canada i mean uh, I, I couldn't larp like that but with, i do think that, that is a that's a very good criticism of fascism and i think that it lacks the sort of the romanticization of the fascist project being this sort of link with modernism and and uh, tradition which i think other thinkers have done a, a better job of. i think certain fascist thinkers have done a good job of but at the end of the day that is the biggest problem is that they don't they're relying on the cult of the strong man and they sort of lack the aristocratic class or um, grouping that, you know, ancient Athens and ancient Rome had. And I think that if if the most pragmatic approach would be sort of a form of, let's say, la-based uh, republicanism, maybe not exactly the way that certain founders envisioned in America, but something more traditional, I think that that idea is, is a very strong one, is a strong contender. Because let's face you... it, fascism. But I mean, fascism mm -hmm. was destroyed from the outside. But that's. But that what you bring up is a very, a very like, strong criticism of of a fascist world. But the okay. So so my argument would be fascism was destroyed from the outside. But fascism was destroyed from the outside because of its ambition. That's why. Yeah. That, because it thought yeah, of everybody well. else as weak, so it took on all comers, and then it got its fucking ass kicked. Because it's like the depends on which yeah, but then the, 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 no, national that was that was national socialism. I mean, fascism is the dominant uh, ideology today. Uh, can I can I yeah? Can I explain this to Lev real quick? Uh, just because I, I I know where you're going and I think it's important. Um, fa fascists kind of appeal to the fact that. Uh, what was it like the strong do what they will and the weak tolerate what they must do as they must <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh so basically like within our politics we can see that our upper classes i think liberal republicanism does a better job than most other institutions when it comes to corruption um but you can see that our upper classes and oligarchs they they do what they want to a certain degree compared to the average person and then the average person tolerates what they must right yeah. Um, so, so basically what they're saying is, well, fascism is actually natural. And not only is it natural, but most people are naturally fascists. If you could have a strong person implement Lev's agenda in the world tomorrow, and there was hundreds of thousands of people, millions already of people have that. <laughs> in, yeah, in your country who, um, who supported that agenda, then you would support that person, even if they were going to break a few rules to get there. And that that's kind of like the fascist appeal. But um, there is a very is big problem with there. this, uh, except for what you uh, mentioned, which is you could even see it in the, the way that the Russian military functions right now, where an order is given out they and they must corruption. Yeah, they well, not only that, but they must follow the order to the T. And if something changes, 
in Ukraine right now, the Ukrainian military, they don't give a shit what Zelensky thinks at any point during the military operation. If they see something changing, they're going to adapt to that change and uh, answer, as far as I understand. With the Russian military, it's the opposite. And it was this way with the Soviet Union as well, where they had to absolutely follow the orders. And whenever something changed, they had to ring it up to upper command and, you know, to Mm -hmm. all the way to President Putin and that he has to tell them uh, what to do. Same thing from what I understand with Hitler, same thing with uh, Mussolini. So the reason why I'm saying this is you end up with a very brittle structure where everybody's covering their own ass. They want to appeal to the authority of the person who's above them rather than actually solve any problems. And you also end up getting a lot of ass kissers who are going to be all the way or, you know, at the top around the president or a dictator or whatever, who yeah, are going they, to they exactly tell him what needs being said yeah. because that's not sounds a lot society. like America to me. No, yeah, no, that no, does no. actually. Well, I, we didn't let Ben. After the I past, agree. after the past two years with the complete, with the complete uh, mess that the bureaucracy has been, and yes, everybody shuffling off responsibility onto other people and all. Yeah, this no, is but Ben, but Ben, I'll be honest. This is the thing that. I guess, uh, grinds my gears the most in so many of these conversations where it all comes down to, well, we're no better than them. Well, we're the same as them. And I don't think there's enough perspective here to take a look at what's happening in these other countries compared to what's happening in America. My, my perspective is, my perspective is that we had, uh, a, a war among the fascists for who would be the preeminent fascist state in that, uh, this isn't a positive or a negative, but, uh, you know, FDR modeled his program uh, you know, pretty strongly on Italian syndicalism. And uh, there were a lot of elements of his uh, administration that were, you know, very fascist. Uh, and, and we voted him is- out. Well, he died, but we voted no, out died. that system. We, we, oh, we voted out that system. We voted out that system. We voted we out that had a, We had a tradition before FDR. A president only served two terms. FDR was like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to go in for the full 16. And if he lived, like, he would have stood election again and again and then again. Thank so. God he, then thank God he did not live, I guess. I mean, the system was still restored Old after that to a certain extent. Bitch. Yeah, also, also, was it legally enshrined that you would only serve two terms, or was it culturally enshrined that you would only serve two terms? It was culturally terms? enshrined. Yeah, cultural and yeah, like like that, but, that to me doesn't mean anything. But when you uh, it would it wouldn't be hard to legally enshrine that. Like if that had been a constitutional provision, he had the votes mm. and he would have done it. So, if but then that's not a liberal system anymore. See, the other problem that I have yeah. with this line of thinking is that you say, well, liberalism leads to this, liberalism leads to that. But whatever it leads to, it's not liberalism anymore. If it leads to fascism, then it's fascism. So the whole idea here is let's try to preserve liberalism as much as we can so that we don't get fascism and that we don't get communism. Like all these examples are basically deviations away no, but from what it should be. But liberalism is fascism. I don't agree at all. Like, and, and, and by by the way, like you can say that like naturally most people are like Adolf like, Adolf Hitler was a liberal. Like he believed in markets. He he wasn't into central planning or communism. Yeah, or did he believe in rugged individualism? Did he believe in equity and you know fucking all that bullshit? Did he believe in individual rights? Because the answer to all those is no, no, and fuck no. So it depends so on the individual. Liberal. I mean, he was he was a big believer in the Uber bench, uh, you know, the the finest Aryan specimens as individuals. What the fuck does that have to do with individual human rights? 
what li is liberalism, liberalism is not just economics. <laughs> What's that? What does individualism have to do with with human rights? I mean, you know, after the past two years, we can't really argue that. Uh, I'm a prisoner in my own country currently. Yeah. What? Yeah, because I didn't make a certain medical decision. I mean, that's. Yeah, and we're we're, we're, right, we're right now under a system where he ha he has to use words like a certain medical decision because the censors will take this show off of YouTube if he says what he actually means. Exactly. Okay. No, nope, nobody's I saying that's don't great. Don't make me don't make me defend fucking stupid goddamn leftist talking points, but also don't fucking don't tell me shit like comparative. Okay. Like you're you're saying that you're a prisoner in your own fucking country while at the same time literally in Shanghai right now they're kidnapping people's dogs and beating them to death in the fucking street. Like don't don't well, tell me I that you're a fucking prisoner in your own goddamn country when literally well China I think is a prime example of a political corporatist flexible authoritarian regime. Well hold I on. Think they're I mean, fucking you, you, fascist the, in the you, use the, you use the example of beating the dogs to death, but in Australia they were doing the same thing. They weren't beating them, but they were killing them because, uh, you know, because of the zero COVID measures they had in Australia. They're like, okay, well, we can't have people come into the animal shelter to adopt these dogs, so we're just going to gas them as soon as we get them. I don't want to defend Australia. Like, well, don't defend I, it. You don't have to defend okay, it. Okay, okay, I won't. I they, love, love Betty's... <laughs> I know yeah. this... Slipping into meta irony, but it's, uh, I love it. <laughs> this is amazing. No, yeah, no, here's, okay. I think that it, mm -hmm. it is true that China, like, see, you're making me defend fascism. It's like, no, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I, I think that don't China, you agree that people in general would like a political corporatist, flexible authoritarian model if it was able to implement their, their solitary worldview perfectly? Like I, yeah, but, I, but, then, but it that doesn't if, perfectly. That's why we have liberal checks on power. That's why we have a constitution. That's why we have individual rights. No, but one well, individual rights is sort of a, a phantasm. But I think that in terms of China, you you would have to argue that if that is truly what they want and what they are, and if they do implement it with a sort of flexibility, I think what's going on in China to preserve a certain biopolitical form of power that's to preserve a, a mode of bare life that is just mere existence. I mean, that's, to me, terrible. But again, like, I mean, these these philosophical yeah. musings, they sound very beautiful, and I love the way that you say them, because you're very artistic in that sense. But at the end of the day, what are we even no, talking I'm going about? Again, I clearly don't want to live in a Ch Han Chinese system. That's not... <laughs> that's, well, yes, I mean, certain, and, there are certain right-wing cinephiles that actually And do. same thing, we're talking about Hitler, Hitler and the Ubermensch. You know, I bet that kind of life was pretty nice if you were there the kind of person that Hitler likes. In the Hitlerian Ubermensch than there probably is in the Han Chinese peasantry quasi-Maoist. Okay, and, and, what about, and what about in the non-Hitlerian Ubermensch? Because that's obviously the problem. Well, no, like, again, I'm not defending. I'm not going to defend. Yeah. No, okay, but but this is this is the problem. But this is actually literally the problem, though. So oh. so I get I get called cringe by fucking you know Christnats and ethnonats and fucking uh, fascists and all that kind of stuff. I get called cringe because I'm a fucking sibnat, right? I'm a paperwork nationalist. The right. reason why I am a fucking paperwork nationalist is because I think that we have accumulated so many different ethnic groups and cultures and languages and all that kind of stuff into the United States that a ethno-nationalist model, while maybe historically normal, is impossible. It's not possible in the United States. 
it's just not it's a it's a fucking joke in the united states yeah it, no it's, no it's, i yeah yeah i agree it's, well can i can i finish this because i'm picking ahead, out like ahead, months of rage on you so i apologize uh but the fucking the point the point being that like getting back to an ethno-nationalist take it's a fucking joke like 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 the fact that anybody would even waste their time pouring their political energy into that is that's fucking cringe to me then when it comes to christian nationalism maybe you have a better power base but at the same time you have a really big problem which is the increasing secularization of the world and the fact that like the rebirth of jesus christ uh through the resurrection let's just say it's a mildly historically contentious issue so while you could probably gain temporary power through christian nationalism i think on the whole you're probably fucked then i, um, I disagree that the world is secularizing though but that's okay well, well, go well, ahead, go my, my my final point would be civic nationalism or liberal nationalism is possible because you can say these paperwork ideals that we all ascribe to freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, right to self-defense, limited government. And by limited government, I mean a government that tries to follow its own rules. These are all beautiful ideas that are worth killing and dying for. And as long as you subscribe to these ideals, then you can be a part of our tribe. doesn't matter if you're gay or you're trans, you're a goddamn Italian or you're a fucking Mick piece of shit like me, you can be a part of this tribe. And so out of having the broadest tribe possible because all you have to do is buy on to three or four ideological precepts you create the biggest tribe possible and you create a human pool so wide that i don't see how you can be challenged you guys were joking about how the fucking transparents are fucking like warrior people yeah they're kind of kicking your fucking ass politically right now yeah uh, i don't know there's been immense pushback though recently of course, I mean, there's been a ton of legislation that's mm. pushed back. But I notice, Gio, that, a lot, a lot of the pushback. Sorry, sorry to uh, counter yeah. this, but a lot of pushback has been coming from organizations that I like, like Fair, like Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, liberals that you don't really find to be, uh, you know, very uh, based. Oh, well, they're opinion. margin compared to the real, like, wow. Well, or people funny. like yeah, James Lindsay, like Chris scumbags. Rufo. No, I mean, they, I, no, you're getting down into the weeds. I'm sure, like the sort of legislation at least that like the more um you know anti uh you know child mm. transition and pro-life legislation that doesn't come from like in, uh, someone yeah. like you know a fedora tip or, or like, with uh, or with crt from... for example like a lot of the people who are going against crt these are for example former teachers like i've spoken to uh paul rossi for instance he was a teacher at this prestigious uh, yeah, private school in uh, manhattan I mean, there is a broad uh, so i think that's i think that's actually uh it, it's a the anti-crt stuff it's a form of gatekeeping i'm very much against it i support crt um, I just think I... we need to develop a better curriculum. Uh, I think that Hakan should really uh, yeah! should really accede to his calling because there there's are just, you just an accelerationist? Are teaching, you sure? no, no, we teaching, have to preserve the smallest rate. <laughs> you know, it's just like the racial categories. You know, like they're they're not really teaching the kids about the Bantu expansion. They're not teaching them about all the different uh, island races. Are you races. Bantu or something? That's the second time you fucking mentioned it. Are you fucking... <laughs> oh, you, listen, Cowboys, you don't know the deep lore, the Hakan lore. You have to know it. I don't. <laughs> I don't, but, but I, but we I know the Bantu. We have to preserve races, including races we yeah. haven't discovered yet. 
That's what Benjamin. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. no, but what it comes no, down to is a lot of. You're memeing a little bit, but like, yeah, I'm asking on. seriously, are you an accelerationist to the point where you're just like, yeah, fuck it, let the leftists be more racist, so it increases race consciousness, so the right wing becomes more powerful? Like, is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I, I generally, I genuinely believe that we need to uh, teach high level anthropology to the children, and I just. You know, the problem is, is this stuff is just, it's all surface level. We're not really getting in in deep enough. And so they're, they're learning how to be like very crude racist. Right. Uh, and as Hakan has said, uh, they need you know, to be fucking high quality racism is extraordinarily <laughs> difficult. You have to have like a working recall of like, you know, 8,000 distinct races. And then also you have to remember <laughs> the most disgusting attributes of each of those races and then you have to be able to model what happens when you cross those races and like what traits those kids are going to have like this is this is very high level serious Uh, and this is this is what we should be focused on uh in our science curriculums instead of creating like new viruses you know like they're out in the lab creating like a mix of SARS one and SARS two, and like, oh, let's let's no, see how many people we can kill with this guy. Like, no, let's Dude. focus in, oh instead on just really okay, studying okay, biology and yes. How have you survived here? It's I'm wild. I'm just used to it. Not only that, counterpoints. Did did you know that I'm Jewish? Uh, oh brutal. yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm, okay, so, uh, I'm already used to it. So, I want to share something yeah. real that, that I thought about. So I've done a uh, 23andMe. I let, the, I let the government have my DNA profile. Um, and it came back just like born as fuck. Like seriously, like just, just like Irish, English, maybe French, you know, just, just like Gaul, you know, like a, a fucking... A fucking goddamn barbarian gall. That's all well, I my am. people would have encountered back in the day when we were trying to take you over. Yeah, when you were the fucking <laughs> civilizing force and I was the barbarian. Yeah. Um so uh, the the fucking the point being that I'm that I'm trying to make is like there is a temptation, okay? That I'm gonna talk about Jewish privilege for a section for a second. There oh. is a Jewish privilege, which is people will think you're smarter, they will assume that you're better educated. And they'll give you almost like a half white, half minority status where you can be white, hang out with all the white people, talk shit, all that kind of stuff. But then if you ever, you know, basically talk about anti-Semitism or oppression or anything like that, and you want to go with the fucking POC brothers against the white race, then you get to do it. Right. So there was a temptation for me when I was an early creator to be like, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, uh, some ancient relative was fucking Jewish. I thought about that shit because I was like, fuck it. Like, maybe it'll give me street cred with fucking lefties or whatever. Um, but I didn't, and I am a fucking Celt. And the the thing that I wanted to say is these things are memes to me where you guys basically see something that's terrible and you're leaning into it because you basically think that could ultimately be pen, uh, politically beneficial to you. Like that, that's what I'm understanding from the joke. But for me, while I'm laughing and I do think it's funny, to me, it's fucking disgusting that this is real, where lefties have taken race consciousness, flipped it on its fucking head. Liberals and a decent chunk of progressives were ready to say, we are a united people. We're in a single country. 
We care about each other. We're ready to move on. We actually care about the human rights that were in our founding documents. And even if they weren't intended for black people and gay people, we're actually going to live these values now and treat everybody as fair. And then we have a bunch of stupid fucking leftists be like, yeah, but now we want to be racist against you now. And the fact that we feel, I feel like we've backslid 30 fucking years sucks. So. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, go ahead, that, go ahead. that kind of civic nationalism, you know, that was good um, for the Irish, uh, the Italians, and the Jews. But speaking as an Anglo, this stuff is great because we have a long history of uh, learning how to pit various ethnicities against each other. <laughs> and so now that we're now that we're coming back into this racial consciousness, finally uh, the wasp can rise above this Ellis Island. Yeah, coalition. if y'all start and reclaim our rightful position as the oh no, 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 hold up. Number one, the Anglos will rise again. Y'all can't. Yeah, number one, y'all can't fuck for shit. So, like, that's number one. You'd actually have to have babies for the fucking Anglo race to fucking do well again. Uh, number fucking two, you're right. But isn't that so fucked up that you pit all your fucking racial manipulation shit on the fucking Jews, right? Like you guys are just pitting everybody against each other and you're fucking sitting in the background fucking rubbing your fucking crackled arthritic hands, fucking, you know, eating fucking beans on fucking toast. No, I didn't, the Jews I didn't, I didn't the turn it on the Jews. The Jews the were fuck? actually corrupted by the Catholics. So it's really oh, so, so, so it's fucking Geo's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Jews were fine. They were innocent children until like the Catholics came along or like the Catholics were, the papists were rubbing their hands and be like, hey, we should vote for Al Smith and we can overthrow the ruling elite of America. Right. And then, you know, Jews were right wing in America up until that point, up until 1928. And then they switched. Catholics. Yeah. Well, no, the Hays Code and the, the, the war in Hollywood between Lev's people and my people. That is a good illustration. Uh, e. Michael Jones talks mm. about this is a good illustration of the <laughs> I don't know if what I don't know, Gio, I would say I would right say now. that post 60s there were a lot of Jews who were well no, even before that, if we're talking about Jews who got interested in uh, communism and Stalinism, whatever, you are always going to have Jews who become very anti Semitic. Jews who are self hating Jews, they hate anything having to do with the Jewish religion, and uh it's unfortunately something that ends up happening, but the idea that people have on 4chan, whatever, wherever the hell, where they lump all Jews into the same category, this is the shit that I've been dealing with for an incredibly long amount of time, despite, like, I think maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm different than you, Counterpoints, in this regard, but I think that beyond all these wonderful things you mentioned about civic nationalism, one other thing that I would prefer is that people be at the same civilizational level in a particular civilization where they would, let's say, treat their kids the same way as far as, you know, not like beating them up all the time or have similar values. I don't think this is oh. something that restricts anybody as far as, you know, wherever they come from. But well, as long no, as they can. I get No, no, hold on. This is super important. I get accused of racism when I bring this up. I do. And, and I'm and I'm like, I'm like, motherfuckers, like I've gone into really shitty neighborhoods where people think it's culturally acceptable to fight dogs, to fight chickens, to beat the shit out of their kids and to treat women like fucking property. And I'm saying these things are fucking bad and need to be culturally oh. fought. But because I say that these things exist, I'm a fucking racist. 
That shit pisses me off. They're like, they're like, the real like, racists. You, 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 they're the real racists. That has to be a point. Wait, hold on. Before Ben's point. No, before Ben's point. Before Ben's point, and maybe this is going to be very That's obvious. But it almost <laughs> seems it almost seems like a lot of these people they treat the POCs, the people of color, like some precious pets of theirs that they consider to be at a certain level and can never imagine them going beyond that level and that pisses me off as well but anyway ben go for it they are above criticism but below agency wow i don't even know what to say i fucking fucking, no i fucking hate it um above criticism and below agent no this is kind of like the people talk about it it's like the bigotry of low expectations and then um, he, here's another thing that's really frustrating for me. I get uh, I've been told repeatedly because because I, I've been I've had the same beliefs for a really long time, which is like you you can be born from whatever whatever ethnicity you can speak whatever language when you first start. Um, but if you're going to come to the United States, you need to integrate into our culture. And part of our culture is this like liberal hegemonic project: the right to freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, right to self defense, limited government, this, that, the other. And then what I've been told by other people is that it's um, it's a fucked up expectation that I have expectations of anybody in my country. It's fucked up that I expect them to believe in freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, right to self-defense, li- you know, limited government, and that we should share a language and a culture. Uh, language, I think, should just be English because it kicks ass. But then culture being like, I don't know, don't fight fucking dogs and don't fight chickens and don't beat the mm-hmm. shit out of your fucking family. Like these are obviously these are crimes. So we criminally enforce them. Uh, but at the same time, I'm worried about really pussified fucking leftists jumping the fucking uh, jumping the shark so hard that they're like, oh, you have to let fucking dog fighting because that's part of some people's culture. Mm. Like I, I swear and, to God. And this well, is why. And, and, and this is why. Wait, wait, real quick. This is why I couldn't speak to any of the leftists that maybe you speak with on a more regular basis. This is why I'm kind of in the situation where the only people who I can actually speak with about these things are people who I share nothing at all in common with as far yeah, as solutions go. Because at least they'll engage with the idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is tough because there has to be. I, I do agree with um, the, the post-structuralists that the sort of cultural hegemony of the West has been a, in some ways a force of ethnic erasure. But when it comes to these negative uh, things, you know, beating or, oh, please, no, I, I'm not going to say because Lev for months talked about the wife beating thing. But Benjamin Braddock, go ahead. Um, I think we, well, we need to bring counterpoints back on and Ben uh, back on because. Oh, yeah. I think. The ethnic nationalism versus civic nationalism. I have, of course, a different idea of ethnicity than, of course, like I would mm. say, I don't consider myself an explicit uh, white nationalist. Or anything. I mean, I'm Italian. That's fucking problematic. But I think uh, it's 12 in the morning here. Ben, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think uh, I think corporal punishment of children is less uh, cruel than putting them on puberty blockers because you've gotten to the point of, you know, affirming them and treating them as, as these uh, individuals with agency. And I think that, um, you know, corporal punishment of the spouse is a lot uh you know, it's generally more preferable to divorce. Uh, I'm not sure about the family beating. I, I welcome uh, 
that aspect of the immigrants. And can you just compromise here? Is there okay? So do do you think there's a difference? So so for instance, like I I was raised in a corporal corporal punishment household, and uh, basically the way it was, and I haven't I haven't hit my son yet. I've snatched him up. I haven't hit him yet. But the way that it was was uh, you do something to read it. You do it after you're told. It's dangerous. Or if it's something that's an absolute moral failing, like something disgusting that my parents didn't want us to engage in, um, then at that point, spanking came on the table. But it was never in anger on behalf of the parents. And it was always like a predictable amount of punishment. Like, so, you know, three ass smacks or whatever for whatever offense it was. So the point being that it was painful. It was corrective. It stuck in my fucking mind that I wasn't supposed to do those things, but it was reserved for higher level commissions of offense by myself. And it was limited and emotionless. So it was yes. just like, like, it would yeah. be justice, not and, and predictable. Predictable. Right. Right. Yeah, um, if you're like if you're like uninhibitedly beating your kid, that I think is like terrible. Mm, there, there is a there is a certain. Yeah. Well, nobody, nobody, mm. wa nobody wants to watch a, a kid get thrashed in uh, in Walmart. You know, that's no, that's, no, exactly. Well, no, there's something, there's something else I want to bring up here, which I that's think is important to keep in mind. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this, but this is just a little theory I have. You have countries and counterpoints. You may know this more than anybody else, so you can correct me or you can say if I'm right. You have countries out there who have a very high degree of punishment for crime. My mm -hmm. theory is that when people who are in those countries go into countries where there's less crime, they end up committing that crime that they previously did not commit because there's no threat of that same punishment and my concern there yeah. is that people don't learn to do so, to not do something because they understand that it's bad people learn not to do something because they're afraid they're going to get punished for it yes no this is this is huge this is huge so for instance um china we, we were talking about uh i think i think geo said like China could have a lot of things going right for it, but uh, they they've conceptualized life as literally just being alive, not, you know, evolving as a person or something like that. Um, so with a hyper authoritarian system where you're just presumed to go along with the moral prescriptions of your society without any criticism and without any pushback, I think you cannot learn why the moral prescriptions you've been handed are good. And as a result, you have a weaker understanding of what's good and bad because you can't even question it. You can't even think about it. You can't even theorize about it because basically just theorizing about it is viewed as you going against what that is. Whereas um, a liberal society, I think potentially more morally corrupt because we give people freedom uh, to explore these ideas. But I also think that the people who choose to do good at the end of the day um, do have a more evolved and deeper understanding of right and wrong because they weren't beaten into doing the right thing they're choosing to do the right thing now here's the problem we forgot to tell our fucking kids how to do the right thing mm -hmm. and now it's all moral relativist bullshit where there's no such thing as good and bad and anytime that you're calling something bad you're basically committing a fucking aggression against the person who's making a shitty choice whereas no, well, I mean, do, do you know where I'm going, though, where I think oh, that, I agree, like, I agree. we have to Sorry. figure out how to prescribe good and bad in a liberal society or else it right. and falls apart? 
Well, it's well, kind of like brushing, like brushing your teeth. Your view right now, but let me, oh, wait, wait, while you're doing that, Geo, okay. I would equate it with brushing your teeth. Liberalism is like brushing your teeth. If you stop brushing your teeth, your teeth are going to rot. So we have to keep on working on it, and we have to keep on having actual people like, I don't know, people heroize Elon Musk, but there should be more people like that. There should be more people that are still going within the rules of the system, but being able to do things within those system that actually, uh, within that system that actually improve things, that actually inspire people, as opposed to the, uh, you know, dog turd examples that we have so much of in today's political system. And that is something that I see as lacking. And that is the one thing, the one saving grace I would say from a lot of the further right people is they have the sense of romance and they are looking for that energy, that drill, and they're not seeing any of that shit, especially like a lot of young white males. They're not seeing a lot of that shit in school, in whoever the current leaders are, and we need that kind of energy. We don't need that energy applied to a strong man, but we need that kind of energy in something. Gio, but before you go, I so this is what yeah. I want to tell the listeners. No one is coming. It's up to you. No one's coming. There's no great hero. There's no fucking superhero. There's no fucking Marvel character. There's no DC character. They're not coming to fucking save you. If you want to get your shit together, and if you want the society to not suck, guess what? You, the person who is listening to this, have to wake up and say, what is within my power? How do I make the world marginally better? And then you have to do that thing. Nobody is coming to fucking save you. Well, that except well for said. Beast Pootler, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been how many streams of this now? Uh, counterpoints. Do you know how many streams Break the Rules has done so far? Uh, how many? We struck. Okay, so Break the Rules streams every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, usually, and it's been going on since May of 2021. So oh. all this time, it's been going on, and today is the first day, I think, of the Dimensional Merch, where now I want to bring in, uh, you know, Adam and uh, Sitch. I want to bring yeah. in more people from this world and be able to have these kind of conversations. Hell, I wouldn't mind Keith Woods coming on, but because I'm a Jew, he's not going to come on, right, Gio? I'm working on it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think... There, there have there are people that have outright refused because of Lev de, Lev's ethnicity. Uh, but anyways, um, to respond, <laughs> that sucks. I know, I know. But um, to respond to your point, and I also want to hear Ben Braddock. Then we can close off. Yes, but and I then, think and then do, the super chats. By the way, sneed yeah, those oh, super chats right now. Sneed them yeah, and maybe. subscribe and add a like. Adding a like helps the algorithm tremendously. Yeah. So there we go. Go for um, it, Joe. And if you, if anybody super chats a question or whatever, I'll hang out for super chats. So we oh, can hell yeah! Questions. All right. Yeah. Um. Sorry. I'm just. Uh, I have a bunch of stuff. I'm in my studio actually. But uh, anyways, I think that to respond to you, uh, it reminds me of. I don't know if you ever heard of the. the um, he was he was like a, a kind of like a classic live of his day, but of course he's considered like right wing reactionary. Blah, blah blah blah. Have you have you ever heard of uh, the one book by? Bertrand de Juvenal on power. I heard de Juvenal. Is it, is it the 48 laws of power or is it something else? No, 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 no. That's no, that that's self-help stuff. He wrote on power. He was a legal theorist. He came about of the, uh, the sort of Italian elite school along with uh, Mosca and uh, Michaels. Um, our good friend, Oren McIntyre, friend of the show, talks a lot about um, Mosca in particular. But he, he had this sort of dichotomy between what 
he considered the ancient regime and what he would call modern uh, absolutism that came a little bit before the Enlightenment and then really kicked off after the Enlightenment. And he said that the way that sort of, and it's funny because, you know, NRX people, the new reactionary people, they were talking about absolutism and all that stuff. But that in itself is a form of modernism because it, it centralized power. And that led to the sort of millenarian ideologies of the 20th century. But he says that in the ancient regime, when you had societies that were informed by tradition, you had a lot of legal capacities and you had a lot of sort of intangible uh, cultural customs around the peasantry and the serfs directly questioning power, directly questioning authority and mediating solutions between them. So I think that to extend that a little bit, when it comes to the values that people have, either from an ethnic point of view or from a religious point of view or cultural, I think that when you have a system informed by tradition, you can sort of avoid the excesses of both total hedonic libertine, uh, you know, modern liberalism that's rootless, but also this sort of millenarian utopian authoritarianism and totalitarianism that leads to like absolute horrors, piles of bodies everywhere, rivers of blood. I think that you need something that is based within a sense of what a people is in order to have a power that is strong, but also flexible enough to address the sort of the, the concerns in, of in, But in a rootless, hyper-individualized, hyper-atomized, right. kind of uh, historically, I don't know, like neutered context, how would right. you, like you would basically have to start from scratch. And this, like, and this okay. is where, but this yeah, is where the good. postmodernism comes in, though. This is where oh. the sort, and this is why I call myself a postmodern writer, because it's in a way you have to use those tools of the past, but you must create a new. This is, as an artist, especially, this is what I'm saying. You can't rely upon the ashes of previous traditions that have failed you, but you have to take their lessons with you. You have to sort of create something. Like as a Canadian, I was talking about this. I'm going to release this podcast with a good artist friend of mine, Matthew Bestow, where we talk about you know my situation in Canada, his situation in Britain, and how in Britain he has much deeper sense of history and culture and tradition. But of course, you know the British leader giving that away in droves, right? But he's like, in a way, you have to look at okay, the bullshit of like Trudeau. I mean, I mean the daddy. I mean. His stepfather, Pierre Trudeau, because we all know his real father. <laughs> um, I actually, but, for all the conspiracy theories we've talked about tonight, I actually 100% agree with this one. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. His, look, his look, at a, look at a fucking picture of the like Fidel Castro and fucking uh, Justin Trudeau. Dude, they're, they, yeah. they look as close as my son and I look. Yeah, like, it's brown nipples, brown, brown nipples, right? Um, no, I think that, <laughs> He's like, well, you have to, in some ways, build anew from ground up because the sort of project of Trudeau Sr. from 1971 onwards is the sort of height of this rootless cosmopolitan uh, neoliberalism. But when you look at the tradition within Ken, you look at, for example, the group of seven painters, you look at the writings of George Grant, you look at all of these things. In, in some ways, it's the heroic task of building anew from these conditions that are supremely uh -huh. alienating. I think that should be the vision of the political right in North America. And all of this sort of fucking LARPing and all this, like we're going to have our base fasci Hitler 2.0, sorry, sorry, Austrian painter 2.0. And, and even, even in my side as a Catholic, I realized that within America itself, America was founded on yeoman Protestant roots. 
there is a section that was grafted on of Catholicism, but the whole like, you know, uh, Guadalupe integralism bullshit that these fedcasts talk about, or even someone like uh, the Mexican child, you know who, I mean, that's <laughs> a fantasy in a lot of ways. And that's something uh, that I contend with. I'm not he, a big fan, although he does have a base take on this current uh, conflict. I'm, as people know, I, I have my disagreements with uh, the certain guy. By the way, he was on Russia Today recently, Lev. I don't know if you know that. Oh, about good, good for him. But, uh, right, right before they were showing a news reporter who was uh, pointing to these loose syringes that just happened to be sitting there in the uh, place where they said the Azov shooters were there. You know, it's so fucking ridiculous, well, they, man. There's a history of amphetamines in I, fascist battalions, Lev. Oh, good, 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 good the, for uh, what, what I what I love is I love fascists and neo reactionaries bitching about fascists in another fucking country. I love yeah, that I know, shit. I know. I, I love I love them being like, whoa, 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 you're supporting the twenty five hundred Nazis in another country, and it's like, bitch, don't you support the twenty five hundred Nazis in another country? And they're like, no, 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 they're the wrong ones. I like the other ones, and it's like, fuck you, buddy. Like I know you don't object to these people on moral grounds. You're just trying to appeal to hypocrisy. Mm. Again, only asshole. only two people in listen, the Ukrainian listen. parliament. Two people I in object, the Ukrainian parliament. Azov what are we even talking about? Ukraine, I object to them morally, their actions, and I also object to them because Ukraine is the rightful place within the Eurasian Union. That's why. You can't so be I a fascist government. You can't be a fascist government if you don't have fascist policies. But anyway, we got to get the super chats, everybody. Here we well, go. So our adherent i was expecting this level lady. of discussion i was expecting something entirely different <laughs> yeah well i i like the surprise so here we go hey, adherent you know, you're you're a fascist and you're bad and i hate you because you're a fascist <laughs> eat balls <laughs> I, I, okay, will say that, uh, I will say that i will say that uh you know banning his opposition and arresting journalists is is based, very embarrassing very endearing to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. There you go. All right, here we go. Uh, adherent of Lady <laughs> Columbia, twenty dollars. I would say that U.S. hegemony is not imperial, but twenty dollars. But a, I know twenty dollars. Thank you so much. Thank but a literal bribe formulated just to enrich Europe and Asia, formulated to encircle the USSR and keep Russia in check. The U.S. is also the least integrated major economy in the globe. Any thoughts? Yeah, um, I get what you're saying, but then, like, so, so, so for instance, like, this is one of my contentions with this. Um, the chances of NATO uh, coming together as a block to invade Russia without Russia being the provoking force is, like, fucking zero. So so that that's fair for me. And then, and then like, the comparison, uh, people are like, oh, well, what if Russia tried to put uh, bases in fucking Mexico? Yeah. This would, yeah, this would be the equivalent of if Canada, because they were worried about us invading them, which we should do, um, or Mexico, uh, worried about us invading them, which we should do, um, they invited China or Russia to come hang out. That would be the equivalent, and that's uh, that's the fucking difference. Mm. This Next is the real Monroe Doctrine take right here. <laughs> I agree you should invade, because we, frankly, in my opinion, have an illegitimate regime, mm. and... Uh, I think that why well, we're just going to be here for another three hours. Of me All talking right, about here we go. Another yeah. one from the adherent of Lady Columbia. Thank you so much. $10. Uh, 
Ultimately, Thank we you. ultimately we must make sure this is Russia's Vietnam or Afghanistan. With Russian demographics being terminal, we can bleed Russia until soldiers cannot be replaced within five years. Ground them down. By the way, I want to address a Russia patri- had an Afghanistan. Well, I want to. Well, they did. Uh, this is I guess second. That one, was but I like want Vietnam. To, I want to address. I want to address one thing where people were talking about. Well, at least Putin cares about like the you know the racial purity of the Russian people. Yada yada yada. There are so many migrants that are coming from all the surrounding areas if we're talking about like the various stands around russia the various places that used to be part of the ussr and it's been opened up even more where and again i'm not talking about this through a biological racial racial perspective but purely through a cultural one there is a very high amount of muslims in russia a lot of people who do not share in the Russian culture who are in Russia right now. And this is a pretty concerning problem and has been for a long time, specifically if we're talking about with Kadyrov's people, with the Chechens, because Putin gives them free reign to do whatever they hell, the hell they want, which does include having their way with women there in Russia, and the police don't really do anything about it because in a way they're protected. Oh. So it sucks, but that's the way it is. So for all the people they who come are talking... Lev, they come from the same ethnogenesis, and they are of a different exactly, type of that's... Muslim... And then that's Saudi the whole Arabia. point. Ethnogenesis doesn't matter. That's that proves my whole point that people can be the same ethnicity they, and have a different culture. The Russian picture of multicultural, or I wouldn't even call it multicultures, but let's say the rival picture that Russia offers is fundamentally of sort of the same people that have a history together. It is not the Canada model. That sort of like if you come here. You know, the Chechens like, don't have a history with the Russians except for the warfare that's been going on there. They usually have stayed in their own uh, in their own area. And same thing I would say for uh, some other groups there that are considering going independent well, now. You know, the that Chechens all this... are noble step peoples, and there's their right to, and Putin is recognizing that. I'm not gonna uh, say I'm not gonna say anything about the Chechens right now. But anyway, uh, David uh, Zintara donated five dollars. Ron Paul, I'm a Chechen hold on. Respecter. Ron Paul, 2024. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, let's do it. Is he still alive? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's, he's kicking. He's keeping up. Yeah, he's all right. Crime kick. Crime kicks. Uh, five dollars. R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, I saw him live Thank a couple you. of years ago at a Skankfest. It was it was funny. Whoa. I enjoyed it. All right. The, uh, uh, yeah. Little brief recommendation. Uh, there's a Hollywood Square episode that's like mm. nine minutes long, where Gilbert oh, yeah. Gottfried, <laughs> yeah. he fucking he runs the square for like for like eight rounds back and forth. The fucking people keep <laughs> getting it wrong, and they think that he's fucking joking. And he's telling the truth, so they so they fuck it up. And then he's telling the truth, and they think he's fucking joking, so they fuck it up. So it's literally just Gilbert Gottfried calling these people idiots for like nine fucking minutes. You fool! Because they keep fucking up the way. Yeah, <laughs> you fool! So I do. Yeah. Like you recommend one of my favorite bits. One of my favorite bits that Gottfried did was uh, his dramatic reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh yeah! Oh, I gotta God. see that one. My vagina. I, enjo- <laughs> I enjoyed the one, uh, the aristocrats one that he did, and I especially oh, like yeah, this yeah. YouTube video where they superimposed Iago from Aladdin onto that uh, whole monologue where Iago is oh, walking God. around and saying the aristocrats joke. Anyway, uh, Lee V, five Canadian dollars. I'm a shuggy bear from Norklin. Shout out to my boy Rocky. 
What? what? I don't know what's going on. I think we just activated someone's uh, MPL <laughs> program phrase. <laughs> All right. This is the final super chat of the day. Thank you. Donated $1.99. There is no comment, but you know, probably thank you was the comment. It was both the name and the comment, I think. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody here for watching Break the Rules. Before we go, anything you guys want to plug, go right ahead. Now is the time. Let's start with the good doctor, Dr. Ben Braddock. Anything you would like to plug uh, beyond watching uh, The uh, Graduate? Um, man, I, 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 I got to get better at grifting. I don't have anything to sell you. Um, yeah, I will plug my friend's book. Uh, first do no harm by doc paracelsus uh it's out may 2nd uh i've got an advanced copy and this is a fantastic takedown of our medical system uh healthcare education system all this stuff lots of good stuff in here uh yeah first do no harm doc paracelsus nice and uh let's see what else here uh, how about uh, counterpoints? Anything you would like to leave the good people with? Yeah, so one of the things that you guys kind of identified that I really think is a worthwhile project is identifying what's on the right uh, that's worth uh, saving and isn't fucking stupid, dumbass fucking internet LARPing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So fucking what, what I mean by that is that there are things that we should promote and preserve. I, I think that uh, environmentalism, like we talked about, could be an important thing to see conservatives or right-wingers making arguments for. I think families, while some people might have like too strict of definitions or ethno-religious bullshit, um, the main argument that families should be the cornerstone of our society and that we have to figure out how to promote healthy, happy, functional families. Um, that, that is something that we have to figure out over the next uh, generation. Then, um, like I said, uh, adopting a mentality that no one is coming to save us, it's up to us, I think is what we have to do. Uh, the, the boomers are going to die out. Gen X is a small generation. A lot of the people who are disaffected and disillusioned right now are millennials and Zoomers. It, whether you like it or not, it, it, it will be our turn at bat in the next 10 to 20 years. So you can't constantly bitch about people who hold the reins of power being manipulative, evil, child, pedo, fucking cunts. And then when we get handed the, re the reins of power, we're like, what do we do now? That cannot fucking happen. We have to start figuring this out now. We have to start having these conversations now. Um, so uh, if if um, I spent a long time uh, going on to left-wing spaces and debating, I think just by being here and interacting with folks like this, um, I'm running some a risk to my social credit in those spaces. But I don't care because the truth is that everyone here um and the the audience that you've cultivated and the dissident right wing is what drives the conversation you are a reaction to the excesses of the left but they're terrified of you and so this is where we have to stop with the larping stop with the unproductive bullshit stop with the cannibalism and the infighting Decide what's worth fighting for, which should be based civic nationalist liberalism. I know it's cringe, but it's just true. And then we have to figure out where our country goes from here. 
Um, so, so yeah, that's what I would promote. And then if you want to check out my shit, my most popular stuff is actually Warhammer 40,000 breakdown videos. Mm. Um, oh, but yeah. I do, yeah, but I do uh, political debates and political conversations and solo rants and self-improvement shit. Um, so I, I do all sorts of crazy shit. Just type in counterpoints, common spelling into uh, YouTube. You should be able to find me. We're about to break 20K. Uh, so if you could help me break 20K, I only need like 10 or 20 subs in order to break 20K. So uh, if you want to help with that, that would be great. And I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. It was a fucking blast. And not only was it a blast, um, I want to participate in these spaces more. Thank Excellent. You. I would I hope love to have you back. I hope my account doesn't go by the... Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't even say it. I shouldn't speak into existence. But you don't think you're uh, like uh, the leftoids are going to come after... Uh... Hope they don't come after me because yeah. I I have the uh, the bravery of posting face and uh, well I kind of no, no 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 it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a doxing thing what what it is oh. gonna be uh, I'll tell I'll tell you what it is um just entertaining these ideas understanding fascism understanding that some people are ethnically or religiously motivated understanding that not everybody wants to sign on to liberalism and progressivism just understanding that and humoring the opinions who don't want to be people who don't want to be liberal or progressive that is wrong think enough let alone actually believing yeah. those things yourself i noticed that if you're explicitly right wing they tend not to go after you as much unless like you're posting game rewards or whatever but like if you're someone who is in your position they probably like i i noticed like for example people that go on red scare they get like heat coming their way because they're not like explicitly right wing so it's like when you're in that in-between zone it's like they'll go after you more where there's someone like me or ben they know that it's not gonna i guess yeah, it's like, not what, gonna what are they gonna change your fucking mind like i doubt it <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i think well last shilling well, point. It's, it's it's also terrifying for these people to try to, to i mean I, I had a journalist uh quote an article of mine in a hit piece in the week a couple weeks ago and oh I, yeah I quote tweeted uh, his post, and of course my minions come pouring into his comments, calling him a, uh, well, saying he looked like a pedophile. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up like deleting all of his tweets, like going back to 2014. <laughs> Where there's smoke for fire, I guess. You know? mm. <laughs> that's that's the thing. I mean, if you're if you're like seen as on the left, and leftists come after you, the other leftists most of them are going to be like too scared to intervene, right? Because they get like lumped in with you and they might be a target too. Yeah. But for one of these guys to then like come into a community on the right, they're going to get dogpiled. So <laughs> yeah, I've seen it happen in real time, but uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, I hope no, this I... could be the uh, beginning of some uh, change here. Cause like I said, in the beginning, I noticed that there are these very independent bubbles that have sprang up around these bubbles there are also people who are you know like the james Lindsay's of the world but they're already like at a far you know they're like in their castles in the sky you know they're way up there but doesn't mean that they can't come on break the rules either but the point here is that i think it is going to be a healthy thing to start getting more people who are at least willing to talk who are from that side i mean who knows maybe destiny is going to come one day you never know but well, here uh, he comes cheap nowadays but uh no, no well, i shouldn't i shouldn't make fun of what happened to him was fucking bullshit. Even though I don't he, agree with him, but he, like, 
Uh, okay, I want to I want to say one more thing that's very refreshing for me. So I'm used to James Lindsay being uh, called cringe because he's like a fucking neo-Nazi, anti-Marxian fucking Trojan horse for the second coming of fucking Jordan Peterson fucking Nazism. Um, I'm I'm fucking ecstatic to be in a fucking room where uh, James Lindsay is like a fucking <laughs> pussy liberal. Who fucking, like, <laughs> Like, he, yeah, like he, he doesn't he doesn't do enough right wing shit and his fucking and his like breakdowns of like other people's philosophy are fucking dumb. Like and, and like I, I have I'm friends with people who are friends with James Lindsay or whatever, but it's just like, God damn it, dude. It's like he talks about some ideas and philosophies where I just know he's just like putting words together that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And it's like, God damn yeah. it, dude. Like the, the only reason why you're able to put together that fucking word salad is because the person that you're talking to knows less than you do. <laughs> but no, but this is why we wanted to have a thing where James Lindsay would debate our good friend, Alex Kashuda and, uh, and me, of course. I mean, I think like a good video actually would be, uh, maybe he can come on beat here too. Um, if you go to academic agents channel, he has a breakdown of Lindsay going after, um, the elite school and like he really like Lindsay doesn't even know shit about like the most even mainstream of right wing thought it's really quite something actually but uh no I, yeah it's uh I and think that, and that's why it's important to bring cringe. him on it is it is very important to bring on professionals but no I mean like here's I, I here's just, the other thing counterpoints I always worry the about my Twitter does. account you know that's don't worry it'll it'll be fine good. here's the other thing that counterpoints uh counterpoint here's the other thing that break the rules does Break the Rules also brings in people who are from more of a professional sphere. Like I mentioned, a lot of the people from uh, FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. I've had uh, Dennis McKenna come here, the brother of Terrence McKenna. I've had one of the uh, big engineers at NASA here. So the point is that I want to get these professional people that have zero to do with internet culture, no internet debates, nothing like that, and just bring them in here with anonymous people with anime avatars and just have them talk together. Because I think it will be funny and I don't think that things like that happen uh, usually so i want to do that but also i want to bring in more people from your sphere i would love to have you back and just be able to get people to understand what the fuck we're even talking about here and i think this stream's made a lot of progress more progress than i think break the rules has made in a very long time mm -hmm. and i want to thank ben the good doctor ben braddock i want to thank oh, counterpoints and go. patreon patreon.com slash break the rules oh, if you want to support patreon i'm doing a Fucking ad, I'm doing a fucking ad. Uh, Patreon.com slash break the rules. If you become a patron, you are going to get a lot of cool shit. Number one, if you become a $5 patron, you are going to get the MP3s of the episodes. After they come out, you are going to get uh, opportunities to be on the Patreon-only episodes. I want to plan one soon with Grim Hood talking about health, uh, you know, uh, supplements, uh, medicinal herbs, things like that. If you become a $20 patron, you are going to get very beautiful magnets created by my father, Alexander Polyakov. He is a brilliant, brilliant uh, woodworker. He currently came out with a new crypto art piece as well, but I'm not going to focus on that. What I am going to focus on are these very, very beautiful magnets. I'm going to put some on the screen just for you guys to take a look at them. And this is such high quality work, which you could only get from the Polyakov bloodline. So here we go. Here is one example of the magnets that I'm putting on the screen. For those who have uh, not seen them, there's Meg 
maple, mahogany, ashwood, cherry. These are very beautiful magnets, and these could be yours, but these are random. So if you want not random, if you want a custom magnet, in a little bit I'll tell you how. But before that, $30 patrons are going to get a very beautiful print from Giovanni Penichietti from the TFW No GF series. Watch him go. Here it is. This is what you're going to get. And for $50 patrons, you are also going to get... A well, instead of the regular magnets, you are going to get a custom magnet. Or if you are a fan of Sticks Hex and Hammer 666, who has also been on Break the Rules multiple times, and look forward to uh, him being back soon, you are going to get one of these Sticks dragons that my dad is going to create as well as the bob ross style painting from giovanni penichetti as well as a you're going to like this one counterpoints a warhammer 40k figure painted by jules p hamilton of the space marines so you are going to get that yeah. as well so there we go we have I, two more super chats by the way that came in all right what are the super chats if oh, you you'd have to scroll up. Okay. Like, yeah. All right. Here are the super chats. So great discussion, gents. That is by LHC Burn, 1999. Woo! 1999. And Adam Murray. I wonder if it's related to Charles Murray. Uh, 999. Peace and love begins in the home. Give your company or time to a lonely friend or family you love. We all know someone. Violence outside is violence within. Call your lonely one. Peace and love. That is that is beautiful Aww. right there. So with that Angel. being said, thank you guys so much for watching. Another great BTR oh, go to Mike's for the YouTube books. Channel, yes. Center Productions. Yes, YouTube.com. You well, since you said that, go to my Twitter, twitter.com slash leftpo. And I'm going to write about my dreams. I'm going to be posting artwork, uh, crypto art, so on and so forth. So check that out as well. So there we go. This is the end of the stream. I'm going to stop the stream now. But once again, thank you. Annihilate so everything that exists. Subscribe. <laughs> and while you're annihilating, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. And it's going to be 